You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is an ongoing analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, we finally have an answer for who is Harrison Ford as the Bondzilla boys take a further look into the Jack Ryan series. It's 1994's Clear and Present Danger. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Bondzilla podcast. I am Nick. I'm Will. And uh, today's episode has been uh, a long time coming uh, in a number of ways to the Bondzilla podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, yeah. In many ways, it it, it is interesting to see. Like, it, it, it's one of those like, you know. I guess it's kind of like our podcast inside joke, right? Yeah. At this point, like, has it transcended into the podcast? Because we've talked about this before, before we like, yeah, we've we've brought this up on the podcast previously. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, and I can't remember what? the genesis of the fascination, though. I, I, it was early on, um, within the the Jack Ryan era in terms of we were talking about Bond, we were talking about other things. And I think we just kind of just poke some fun at the other, you know, kind of right. Was it spy things? And, and Jack Ryan has long been like, even before this podcast, um, it's been uh, kind of an inside joke for myself because it was one of those things where Jack Ryan was this character that you kind of look, it's like, Oh, he's been played by, you know, these, at that time, four actors, now five, um, with uh, the Krasinski show. But you're kind of like, oh, like all these guys played Jack Ryan, and right? These are Jack Ryan movies, and well, I think the thing is, like, and like you know, you just again, like Jack Ryan is just that kind of requisite simple name, and it's just like, well, I think that's it. Most of it came from you're right. Like when we were when you do James Bond, you think about all the mostly white you know, spy action heroes of that ilk. Mm -hmm. Like, not necessarily, and you don't necessarily think of, you know, action movies, and, like, you know, you don't think of, like, those, like, your your diehards or anything, but you think more of the Mission Impossibles and the the things like, and then, let's be fair, we we owe a lot of this episode to the Chris Pine, Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. Because it kind of became one of those things where I think it mostly... Became like you're right. So like it's like the ten degrees of Jack Ryan or whatever. Like it's like you know we were talking about this, then we talk about Mission Impossible, but then you're like, yeah, well anything's better than what, what was it, Jack Ryan? And yeah. then it and then it brought back all those memories of seeing like the trailer yeah, for like this movie Jack- that Chris Pine was part of and Kenneth Branagh was the villain. And the then sh- you're like, and 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 his name is Jack Ryan. Yeah. Come and the, on. And the Shadow Recruit trailer, when I think it was one of the contenders for that year's. My award that I give every year. Oh yes, what, what, yeah, I, what yeah. I call the the Born Legacy Memorial Award, which is the trailer that you see way too many times in theaters. It yeah, feels like they play the, that trailer for like, like, you know, yeah. ten months in a row. Yeah, the champion of that still is the behind the scenes of Les Mis that From played at Regal. Regal. Yeah, that that was. Yeah, uh, what have that, I done, sweet Jesus? What have that, I done? That's an all time <laughs> classic. I think. That one, and I, I mean, I named the award after the Bourne's uh, legacy yeah. because 
that was a that that trailer still has quotes like Jason Bourne was just the tip of the iceberg. You think Jason Bourne was the end of all this? Like, yeah. They, they kept mentioning Jason Bourne and like it's not about Jason Bourne. It also had that kind of uh, dark universe thing where they were like, oh yeah, Kevin Costner's gonna be in multiple of these movies. That's all. Did, but like, was that? Did we really? Yes. Did they? I yes. see. I don't remember that. That, as that was much. a part of it for me. As okay, me. all right. But I, but early yeah early on in the podcast, like we we poked a little fun at Jack Ryan. I think probably most memorably is when I mentioned that Jack Ryan never casually goes up against Voodoo. Yeah. Which he doesn't, to be, yeah. to be completely no, fair. Bond, no, no, no. Bond does. Bond does. Have Not a that. lot of analysts in the world of Voodoo. Uh, but it's been about a year since we had to eat our own words yes. on the Jack Ryan So series. I guess for those who who don't know, because I feel like at this point we may have some new, new listeners, listeners. who haven't gone back. The podcast, if you yeah. haven't gone back, you should. There's a lot of really fun stuff in the, in the past. I, I still go back and listen to our old episodes sometimes because I'm a, a nut. So, uh, but, but so Nick and I had this thing, and we've mentioned this on the podcast before. That once again, our history with. By the way, we are talking about a Jack Ryan film today yes. for the, the yes. podcast. We, we did we did mention that at the top of the show. Um, but the reason that we have brought this up is not only for other parallels and um, you know connections that we will bring up later. But it was mostly because out of doing the whole Bond thing, we as we just said, it kind of brought up the Jack Ryan Shadow Crew, and then it like oh, it just made us think about like how dumb that looked. And then and then my biggest thing was I did not know that Jack Ryan was this series of films. Like I, I didn't know Hunt for Red October, right. for example, was a Jack Ryan right, movie. Jack Ryan has the same thing up, up until Shadow Recruit, um, which is a completely original story. It is actually, and we'll talk about this, and I found it very interesting doing research, that there are a lot of parallels to Bond in terms of it's originally a book series by Tom Clancy, who we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about today. Um, and it has like all these movies that don't have Jack Ryan in the title. And, that, yeah, that was the big thing. And there's multiple yeah. Jack Ryan. So there's actually a little bit of parallel to kind of Bond on a smaller scale. So we... So we went through that whole process of, and then it just became us like just ribbing on Jack Ryan and like this kind of yeah. like, there's no way these movies are good. Like maybe we gave like, and I hadn't seen it yet, but maybe we gave like some leeway to hunt for Red October. Right. But it's like there's no way you're gonna convince us that this movie that the last two movies were is like a late late nineties, early two thousands well, Ben a, Affleck vehicle, yeah, a two thousand two Ben Affleck, right? Movie. An early two thousands Ben Affleck action movie, or at the time we thought was a pure action movie. And a Chris Pine movie called Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. There yes. was no way you were going to convince us he's good. Nick, in you know being just the the hero, the saint that he is, um, because we had joked about that they had released the five yeah. movie pack, and, and I, then it just I, became this thing of like, oh come on, like, and we kept making fun of it. Like there was just yeah. no way. And Nick, being a saint for my birthday, gifted me the five pack of. Jack Ryan. It was on sale films. at Best Buy. Yeah, and then it was it was just so funny because it also came out of nowhere. It wasn't like Shadow at this point. Shadow Recruit had been out for years. Yeah, had been out for years. So like, what prompted this? And it was this whole it, thing. It's it like, was, why are you trying to shove this so, no nothing name down my throat? Well, because it was two things. One was because we had kind of mentioned it on the podcast. I thought it would be a little bit funny. But two, I think there was a thing where there was like a joke about 
I should get it or something, and I misinterpreted it as like, oh, I should get it for you, that we should own it as part of the apartment. So, well, regardless, it was, on, it was on sale. It was on sale. Yeah, it was fair, it was fairly cheap. But regardless of how it is, so we you got it for me, and then we say, well, you know what? We have the five films. We're gonna see what this Jack Cause, Ryan because also film is it's about. not as if Will doesn't own like shit movies. Sure, like, absolutely Will does own shit movies. So I'm like, well, if he owns the Jack Ryan films, it's really not. Oh, the, I it, welcome the gift. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely I mean, like in that same gift. I bought him the Transporter one and two. Yes. On, on Blu-ray. Yeah. So so we watch Hunt for Red October and we we just think it's really good. Like we're like, oh, okay, all time in, yeah, instant classic. Like this this is actually a killer, great movie. Killer cast. Uh, John McTiernan film and yeah. like he's like the requisite 80 di- 80s director and intense and well just well made uh and and it's like okay well we've got like and our thought was okay we got to the good one like yeah. the, the one that everybody says is like great yeah okay. it's, it's and it's a, like all right let, and then you know it's it's Harrison Ford it's that time period we'll see what it what it yeah. has we'll, we'll see what it has like you know like we're not quite at shadow recruit yet so it's definitely not going to be bad yeah so we watch patriot games and uh a clear and present danger i'll just put them kind of like lump yeah. those together and we b- got through them being like oh like those were solid political thriller yeah. film spoilers for today's episode so i'm like all right now we're going on to some of all fears there there's just there's no way this is where we're going to hit the slump yeah. because it's like it's like i said it's an early 2000s like ben affleck vehicle yeah we watch it, and and to be honest, like we kind of came out being like, it wasn't that bad. Like, was, we, like, we mentioned this definitely before on the podcast, but like especially the second half of that movie, yeah, they go all in on it. We watch that, and then we get to Shadow Recruit, yeah. and then we're like, okay, there's just absolutely like we refuse to believe, yeah, that after all of this luck, and then I actually thought it's like you know what, Nick, this was a pretty good gift, like four out of five. It was funny yeah. that I was already writing it off. It's like all right, four out of five right. films is not a bad collection yeah. to own, and then we watch it, and lo and behold, we had to apologize to the entire franchise because I didn't hate Shadow Recruit no, I mean, either. Shadow Recruit is definitely <laughs> probably the weakest of those five, yeah, just by virtue of a lot of different aspects of it. But it's also it's a solidly made like you know like 2010s it action got, movie. I was I was invested at certain points, and like now that I was invested in what the character, does, like I found myself by Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit being like, oh yeah, he's pulled he, like that's a classic yeah. Jack Ryan. Like it's like that's what we want. And it's like and we're talking about like we there were moments like when like I don't know like you know Iron Man would do something and then it's like oh yeah that's just like you know a classic Iron Man thing that he would yeah. do in the books and then we were watching you know Shadow Crew a, a franchise of films that we mocked not a month uh, like earlier and then we're like oh yeah they're staying true to the character of Jack Ryan yeah <laughs> so and it, it was yeah. probably some of the most fun other outside of the viewings for this podcast that we had because it really was we were just waiting for the the bad one or the one we could kind of make fun of and yeah there are there are, you know like like with us, we're we kind of make fun of everything a little bit. But I, I was waiting for like a truly like yeah, sh- bad shit. shit movie, and it never came. Yeah, but uh, that had that brought us. That is what brings you uh, this uh, this episode today. But you know, we're, I think for this episode, we're going straight right in the middle. Right? Is it right in the middle? Yes. Yeah, right in the middle of it uh, with. Uh, Harrison Ford's uh, time up at bat. Yeah, as the character. Well, I mean, Jack that's, Ryan. That, when you mentioned the inside jerk earlier, I mean, not just the Jack Ryan thing, but also Harrison Ford has been a constant figure yeah. uh, in this podcast and history. We, that's true. That's really true. And we yeah. already have our answer of who is Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford in this he's movie. Jack he's Jack Ryan. Um, 
yeah, so we're going to look at the third Jack Ryan film, the second one with Harrison Ford, Clear and Present Danger. And a- after the preamble, I'll talk a little bit why about why I decided on, on that one specifically, mm-hmm. um, which I have some thoughts. But um, so, yeah, we're going to start with Clancy because um, this is another aspect that I mentioned a little bit uh, earlier that it shares with the Bond is that it's based on a longstanding series of books. Um and that kind of also gets adapted a little bit out of order mm-hmm. in some regards. Uh, but let's talk about Tom Clancy, the man behind the Ian Fleming of the Jack Ryan universe, <laughs> Tom Clancy. Uh, so Tom Clancy was born in 1947 uh, in Baltimore and basically had a pretty normal childhood. Uh, nothing really, as I could find, no, no real stories from his childhood. Uh, outside of the fact that he was one of those kids who was just inherently interested in in military strategy and in the military in general, he uh, his dad was a postal service worker and kind of had that you know that government affiliation. Um, he Tom Clancy just grew up devouring like war movies, war books, mm-hmm. war history, just kind of something fascinated about him about that aspect of of life and. Uh, just a lot. He, you know, joined the Boy Scouts. Uh, grew up kind of a devout Catholic, uh, and went to actually a uh, Jesuit high school as well as a Jesuit college. So mm. kind of kept that religious aspect to him uh, through his life. Uh, after his graduation from college in uh, nineteen sixty nine, he aimed to join the military. He aimed to become, you know, an, a, a soldier and fight with. In Vietnam and all that sort of stuff, but unfortunately, unlike Fleming, who who did get his opportunity to to lead and fight, uh, Clancy was denied uh, his you know application to the army because of his poor eyesight. Mm, okay. um, so Clancy did not get a chance to fulfill that dream. So instead, he ended up um, initially with his with his job with, through the seventies uh, as an insurance salesman for his wife's father's company. And otherwise, he was just kind of the normal, middle, like growing middle-aged American, coming up in the '70s, and you know, kind of the post-counterculture and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but within his head, Clancy always had just that fascination with the military. And eventually, with as he went into the '80s, he he was kind of stagnating with with his insurance career and still longed to to be involved with the military mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. And this idea started to pop in his head. Well, if I can't be in the military, mm-hmm. I'll write stories about the military. Here's here's an interesting question I have for you. That's kind of like a little bit on a tangent, but hopefully I can get it to relate to this because we have two examples of essentially, ultimately creative people joining in the military. Yeah. What like what what's that about? Because it is an interesting trend that not only applies to these two guys. Like yeah. you know, it's just kind of like with writers and you know artists and everybody you know joining the military i think i mean there's different aspects of it i mean with with fleming there was always that family history of it mm-hmm. I, I think for both of them to be quite honest there is an aspect of the time period they grew up in mm-hmm. whereas like you know fleming kind of had you know growing up during world war one where his father fought and then you know during that period where you know he was primed to join the military and it was actually invited to because of his father's history, mm-hmm. World War II was going on. So there's that kind of that. And same thing with Clancy. I mean, Clancy was growing up also in a period where post-war there was kind of that 
distinct war history now that you had the strategies of World War II, you had the classic Revolutionary War and, and, and Civil War in American mm. history, as well as kind of, you know, the little bit of the kerfuffle that was the Korean War and we were leading into the big kerfuffle that would be the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's just that aspect of it. But also I think that, especially for Clancy, I mean, I think he did grow up, his time period of growing up in that late, you know, late 40s, early 50s was like a, a, a boom period in terms of like the classic war picture and the right. classic war story. And Fle- not Fleming, Clancy rev- eventually revolutionizes that kind of story for a modern age. Right, right. Um, with his his Jack Ryan series. But I think there's that kind of aspect. And I, and I do think that, you know, I think there's a lot of differences with how we grow up today. But I think there's still within that period because this is you know he's grown up pre-vietnam so there's still like a reverence mm-hmm. for the military and right the right for that like i mean because vietnam really changes a lot of how and we're still some ways feeling the effects of vietnam and how we view war in the military it, it definitely like is like the biggest like t- one of the bigger turning points yeah. of like how we but like view po- it you know, world war Two is that period and and where you know you still kind of have like Oh, the soldier is like this this yeah, revered figure. Yeah. And then and then the other thing, just looking at their output though, like it seems that just based off of the output in the in the brief story, is that Ian Fleming's whole attitude or at least the inspiration that came out of it was definitely a lot more lighter in in, in some respects. Like there was a lot more of that like you know, not as much I mean, obviously there was some earnestness and sincerity, but there was just kind of more of a you know, this is just part of life, and he looked forward to it because of, like, you know, I mean, when you talk about his history going into the military, mm-hmm. it was a much, you know, he was all jazzed up about, like, oh, doing these crazy plans in the military, and he had, like, this history, th- right. this background, and that kind of led to the output, whereas Clancy, like, seems like th- this was more, like, his output was more of, like, a, you know, uh, like, I don't want to say a fan, like a like trying to drive a fantasy. It's but like a wish like, fulfillment. Yeah, it, I mean, it's and, wish and fulfillment. Fleming, I mean, in regards it's his to outlet. That, yeah. yeah, but Fleming, you got to remember too. Fleming was the kind of the initial kind of restlessness with with Bond was like, well, post war he really didn't have anything to mm-hmm. do in a, a post war Britain, especially. The That's military. true. That's true. I mean, there was that aspect of Fleming where it's like Bond was sort of a wish fulfillment of like the continuing adventures of, right. and, and Clancy, on the other hand, never got that opportunity. Was living this kind of restless life as an insurance salesman, which was you know something that he could definitely do and mm-hmm. something that helped him get by. But there was always that kind of lingering of still kind of that fascination with with military. And and the thing about Clancy, which really defines his book work, is he's a well researched man. Mm-hmm. And I mean. We'll talk about the writing of Hunt for Red October, which is the first Jack Ryan book as well. But there was a lot of surprise within um, the naval communities, especially that a man who never fought had this much knowledge. Sure, yeah, of, yeah. Of like what was going on in military strategy and stuff like that. So Fleming like devoured, you know, military books when he was writing the Hunt for Red October. He would you know interview former officers and stuff like that. But that's just what I find interesting. Like you don't like you don't. I'm not saying he's never written one, but you don't associate any like fun title mm-hmm. to a Clancy to the name Clancy. Whereas Fleming, you know, not while some of the stuff is played seriously, there definitely is more of a kind of more fun serialized nature to yeah. it. Um. So yeah. So he's by 1982. He's kind of. You know, just been living life like an average American life, kind of the, the American dream, as it were, with the with a good with a good family and and a good job and a good money. But there was always that again that restlessness that 
that desire to, to do something involving the military. So Clancy just started kind of on a whim brainstorming this story about um, a Russian submarine and, and you know, a, mm-hmm. an, an American who helps to, you know, attain and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this eventually becomes the hunt for Red October, which he writes in between uh, his time as an insurance salesman, basically kind of a side project. Right. Um, he doesn't really find it to be, it's basically like a kind of at least a very, it's a one and done thing that if this is the only thing he does, well, at least he's satisfied, a curiosity satisfied kind of something within him. Uh, but he decided to try to, you know, sell the book for publishing, obviously. And the first thing he went to was the Naval Institute Press. Now the Naval Institute Press is a branch of the Navy, um, that publishes books. Uh, traditionally, up until 1982, the Naval Institute Press only published nonfiction books, just stuff about the military, you know, military history books and, you know, military strategy and biographies about different, you know, military wars and stuff like that. Um, but around this time, um, when Clancy sent them the book, because Clancy still wanted to be involved with the official stuff, and it's like, well, if I'm going to write this book about, you know, the Navy, I'd rather, you know, it be kind of officially approved and I don't want to like, you know, overset my bounds or anything like that. So send it to them. Hopefully they can publish it. And this would become the Naval Institute's press first fiction work. Um, He sold it to them for a grand total of $5,000. And the reason that the Naval Institute press took the book was they just found it to be so good that they couldn't pass it up. Mm -hmm. That they, they, it's like, this could make some money this could do something and it's like if we don't get it someone else will why not kind of expand our library expand our output because uh, they all believe that this book was very much a potential bestseller uh, though they did tell uh, Clancy to edit some of the naval stuff mm-hmm. uh, probably about like a, a couple pages worth of the details because Clancy was a very detail oriented uh, writer and especially in his early books could be a little bit too detail oriented <laughs> Um. So the book releases initially, they expected you know about five thousand copies sold. The initial pressing is about forty five thousand, so decently you know above budget, uh, above expectations. But the book explodes <laughs> when, just like with Fleming, an American president uh, comes out as a fan uh-huh. of the book. Uh. In December of uh, that year, President, uh, the book actually releases in 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he works on it for about two years before it gets published. And in 84, President Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. received the book as a birth, uh, as a Christmas gift mm-hmm. uh, and publicly came out and said it was one of the best yarns he had ever read. Uh, <laughs> okay. He was a big fan. And so the book immediately boosted itself to 300,000 buys. Uh, so... It, you know, becoming actually number, you know, close to number one bestseller on the New York Times bestselling list, uh, and eventually would get a paperback release that would have almost two million copies sold. And that was the beginning. Clancy was off. He was now a writer, and when he was asked to do more books, he immediately thought, "Well, why don't I take this main character of the 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 for October and do more adventures with him?" Mm-hmm. And so that is how the Jack Ryan book series mm-hmm. was born. And it was, again, it was originally tensioned, well, this is my one book, and that's going to be it. But then Clancy was like, well, I'll just continue on telling stories about this Jack Ryan character. And the book also, I should say, was critically acclaimed and uh, actually was a um, 
was called the first techno thriller, uh, where it was very much a about the military technology, military tech, a spy mm-hmm. thriller in a new age that kind of evolves from what the initial Bond books were and evolves from what other kind of political thrillers were at that time. Right. Uh, so immediately after uh, Hunt for Red October's success, he launches right into writing Patriot Games, Players, Friends of Danger, Some of All Fears, all these initial books of the series. Uh, and Clancy immediately has his eye on expanding his reach. And when the film, when Hollywood comes calling, Clancy is not shy about, yes, take this book. Uh, well, and Hunt for Red October was a very obvious book to adapt in the late 80s. Eventually comes out, the movie comes out in uh, 19... Uh, 91, I believe. Yes, 1991. Um, and Paramount Pictures picks up the rights to the book um, and immediately goes into production on it. This is, again, uh, Hunt for Red October, directed by John McTiernan, who had been doing Die Hard Predator, basically was the director, one of the directors of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they, they put all their... It was one of the things where Paramount saw it as like their big movie of the year. This was mm. like their top, one of their top priorities, and they conducted a killer cast and obviously got McTiernan. You know, Connery is that Sean Connery plays the main Russian in the movie. And right, he's like back on that route again. This is post uh, Never Say Never Again. He's back on the rise as an actor, uh, a young Alec Baldwin, kind of an unknown, more of a stage actor around mm-hmm. this point. Um, and, and Clancy was very much, again, like Fleming, was very was once he got successful, very much interested in the success and interested in, again, expanding his reach. And, and even Clancy was someone who understood that things were going to be changed for his films. I mean, mm-hmm. he said about Hunt for Red October that, yeah, they they simplified the, the, like the submarine stuff to make it a little more inaccurate. And they did some plot stuff that. You know, I didn't think they needed to do, but at the end of the day, books and films are two different mediums, so mm-hmm. I, I do understand they need to do what they need to do. Right, right. Uh, so that first Hunt for Red October movie is extremely successful, one of the top grossing movies of the year. Mm-hmm. I should say, I mentioned 1991, I, I apologize, 1990 mm-hmm. uh, was that movie of the year came out. So Paramount Pictures immediately is like, let's go into a sequel. Um, the sequel, which ends up being Patriot Games, um, which in chronologically order, it's the second Jack Ryan book, but takes place before Hunt for October, um, was originally supposed to have the uh, the roles of Jack Ryan and Mrs. Ryan, um, Jack's wife, which would have who is a cameo in the in Hunt for October has a major role in Patriot Games, to be uh, reprised mm-hmm. uh, from uh, by Alec Baldwin and Gates McFadden, who mm-hmm. played the wife in the first movie, uh, but. They wanted to go into a, a sequel production fairly quickly as uh, Patriot Games scheduled for 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, and both Gates McFadden and Alec Baldwin were busy. Uh, Alec Baldwin was doing a stage production of Streetcar Named Desire, and Gates McFadden was back on Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, so neither of them could be uh, available. And indeed, and, and Baldwin said that he was basically forced to make a choice, that they wanted to go in production so quickly that. That, that he had to do this stage production or do a sequel that like they didn't technically have a date for, didn't have much details on at the time. Um, uh, so he basically was like, well, I'll take the sure thing. And mm-hmm. and eventually, you know, I mean, Alec Baldwin turned out fine. So, yeah, uh, but he's so, OK. Uh, so 
they decide so basically their decision with Patriot Games as a film is they do it's considered a sequel to Hunt for Red October that has an older Jack Ryan in the movie he's retired uh, so there's not any real references to the original uh, Hunt for October film the only connection that those films have is that James Earl Jones uh, comes back to play the same Admiral Greer character that he did play in that movie, kind of an M type of role, right? Which yeah. again, kind of yeah. matches up. It's yeah. really weird that this does kind of match up with, <laughs> with the Bond, um, with the Bond thing. Uh, so instead, they decide to go with this older Jack Ryan, the more retired Jack Ryan, the more family man Jack Ryan, and that ends up being Mister Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the and McTiernan is replaced by a man named Philip Noyce, who is an Australian director, whom Patriot Games was his second American film. That mm-hmm. he had built his name as a one of the premier Australian directors making in, in Australian cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was transitioning into Hollywood at this time. So it's a big get. Also, that movie features Samuel L. Jackson as well. Um, uh, yeah, it does. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's character. fun. Um and, and Clancy was not as happy with Patriot Games as he was with Hunt for October. He felt that he was more upset with the changes and kind of was like, well, what, you know. What are you going to do? What are you going to do at yeah. that point? Uh, Clancy uh, is definitely interesting in terms of that regard. Um, again, he was happy to kind of keep writing Jack Ryan books, keep writing the money. Um, not too long after these two movies, by the way, should I find a good place to mention this. Um, he would start his own uh, video game company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, uh, the probably this would be my first introduction to the name yeah. Tom Clancy. Well, uh, and his one of his things was like with the Rainbow Six games was going to feature. Uh, his idea was to write the book and the and the game at the same time, and that they would come out, and you could like you know get different aspects of the book for both. Right. Um, and so, but I'm just like he was a very enterprising man. Definitely knew what he was doing and. His his time in the insurance field definitely gave him an, an insight into financials. So I think he was he was a well well made man. Right. Uh, very much like Fleming, where he's again he had that eye on the success. Mm-hmm. He had an eye on kind of being that successful person, especially because he got that taste of it. Uh, but now we're at the film that we are talking about today, which is Clear and Present Danger, um, which is uh, the 1994 is when the movie comes out. So mm-hmm. basically, again, another direct sequel right off the heels of Patriot Games. And very much the feeling was everybody enjoyed making Patriot games, and it was basically decided by Paramount and and the cast and crew that they would immediately go into a sequel yeah. right after this. Uh, so the, one of them, they did a couple things with. Um, there were a couple reasons that Clear and Presentation was was chosen. Um, again, it's another in that realm of the early, very successful Jack Ryan books. Not that the later ones would be like the one you know. Clancy wrote like 17 of these and I think like 15 of them or right. 14 of them became like bestsellers. So uh, the, he had a lot of them, but there were two reasons that they uh, wanted to, to do clear and present danger. One is that they, they really felt that the, the kind of conspiracy president storyline was very appealing, something that Ford would eat up. And, and I think like if they got a good cast together, that it would become a very interesting story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially noise was a big fan of that storyline was very much interested in kind of exposing a different side of, of the government. Right. Because um, Patriot games, despite the name is actually a less 
political political thriller. And they mention that in the behind the scenes that it is more of a you know um, yeah because because Patriot yeah. Games that go over it very quickly is basically about like a retired Jack Ryan basically. Who's thrown back into the game? Well, he, he <laughs> happens across a terrorist attack, which yeah. he stops by the IRA, the Irish like terrorist group, right? Uh, and then eventually, like he kills someone, and Sean Bean, um, <laughs> uh, just a couple years before. I mean, the, this on. series is like a lot of like, oh, like the, yeah, this yeah. person is in this, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's like Sean Bean is basically like, I'm gonna go to America and get revenge, right. for my 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 brother, and then it's basically more of like. Harrison Ford is like kind of figuring out where people are, and they almost, they almost kill his kid at one, at one point. Kills yeah. his wife and his kid. Yeah, uh, but but it but again, ultimately the bigger it, role for the um the Kathy Ryan character. But it ends with a home invasion ultimately. Yes. Yeah. So it, it it's definitely a lot less of a focus on the politics, right. despite being a political thriller. Yeah. Uh, whereas this has more focus. On yeah, one hundred percent. But the other main reason that they pick uh, Clear and Present Danger is to introduce. Tom Clancy's other uh, major character yes. uh, in his other major book series that crosses over with Jack Ryan, which is the character of John Clark, mm-hmm. which is played in this movie by Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was some eye on the, at the time of being able to use the John Clark character, not just in the Jack Ryan series, but using the John Clark books to um, uh, to to do an old. Sp- shooting, but most famously, the most famous of the books is Without Remorse, which mm-hmm. has always been something. It's kind of a actually that movie is the history of development hell, which has always been kind of in development. Mm-hmm. And it's also again around the same time that Tom Clancy himself is coming up with the idea of using the John Clark character for a basis of video games, which eventually becomes Rainbow Six, mm-hmm. uh, because in the Rainbow Six is the leader of Rainbow Six, and the leader of Rainbow Six yeah. is John Clark. Yeah. Um, so, but they do have an eye of, of using the John Clark character. And the character himself is a, I mean, I, you may be able to shed some light on this, but in terms of the context of these films has been portrayed as a off the grid, special yes. black ops so he is operative. A, he's a character like within the books and, and stuff like his own book series, like without remorse gets more into this, but he's a, he's a, he's a former military guy with a more shadier past, um, in some ways considered like a darker side of Jack Ryan where mm. he's had some questionable killings in his military days, kind of has gone off the grid and basically is a mercenary for hire. Yeah. Uh, yeah and eventually the within the books through his friendship with Ryan, you know, gets pardoned by president Ryan when, when Jack Ryan in the books becomes president, which mm-hmm. is a whole different thing. <laughs> um, and eventually becomes like, you know, Jack Ryan, one of Jack Ryan's right hand man within the intelligence community. Uh, and, and helps out Ryan in a lot of the uh, future books. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this is his, in the Clear and Present Danger book is his first true interaction with Ryan, and um, and it becomes a big character from there. Um, so basically, the book is very much you know pretty straightly adapted. There's a little bit more at the end with that argument with the president that happens at the end of the book, which we'll talk about. Um, that mm-hmm. famously was like kind of rewritten many times, and then eventually during the table read. They kind of randomly took out an original, like like an early, like second draft version of that scene, which played a lot more punchily. Mm. Um, and they could just continue. So casting wise, just basically, you know, James Earl Jones returns again, has a more kind of emotional storyline with this this one. But they really wanted to kind of continue to build the buddy nature of those characters, mm-hmm. which they thought really made Jack Ryan a likable character was his relationship with you know the people around him, but especially Admiral Greer. 
Um, but this, you're right. In this, this movie is is a bunch of people who you just kind of like. Oh yeah, that person. Yeah. Um, President of the United States in this movie is played by Donald Moffat, who was a big stage actor. Um, was a was uh someone who Ford and Norris had both seen on stage on Broadway, and just thought he would make a good kind of president. Um, I gotta mention there's a couple people that I mm-hmm. thought were interestingly cast. Uh, Henry Kazarni as Bob Ritter, mm-hmm. who this guy is an asshole yeah and and the he, actor born to play the that fucking guy in he's films. born yeah. to play this guy because this is 94 so this is early in this guy's career uh henry kazarni so he plays a very big asshole in this movie and in a couple years time he would basically play an alternate version of the same character in the first mission impossible right as you put out he's a thorn in the side of the plot he he, he he's just he's a very punchable guy like yeah um, we also get an uh, appearance from early career Benjamin Bratt mm-hmm. uh, yes. in this movie, um, who uh, plays a sniper, mm-hmm. a, a very good sniper, as it were. Uh, uh, I would like to... Well, no, Benjamin Bratt plays the the military officer. It's the the, the sniper. The sniper oh, is actually... Wait. Yeah. You're no, right, you're, yeah, right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, the sniper is actually uh, Tuco Salamanca from uh, from Breaking Bad. Yeah, like, I... Yeah. I uh, I mixed those up. Yeah, yeah, but but Good they're both but but they're both kind of in the. It, it is kind of Within both actors that you're just like, oh, that they're yeah. they're in this. Uh, the hacker guy. Also, is, Benjamin Bragg gets like a he he got a title card, right? He, he did. I, yes. Yeah, so it's like yeah. Uh, a lot. I got three people I just want to randomly mention because the rest of the cast is very much filled in with just kind of player actors. Like our main villain is kind of a Portuguese actor who's kind of playing you know this kind of. You know this his Hispanic kind of intelligence officer who's working for the Pablo Escobar stand-in. Yeah, uh, which a lot of these movies around this time that use these drug runners. Well, what's that? The the, the our our drug lord in oh, this? Sanchez. Cause, yeah, because but the, he's like he's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I feel like he always plays. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I can't point again. It's a movie of like oh yeah, like you've seen that guy in other oh, movies. Like um, yeah, no, I got you. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, but I want to mention three guys, just or three people. One is uh, we have our hacker character Petey in this movie. Yeah, and it's uh, Greg German, who is one of those guys where I'm like, where do I? Because I have one specific image of this guy. Yeah, I'm always thinking like I have this one movie where this guy is like on a radio and he's like an asshole, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, oh yeah, he's the asshole son from uh, uh, Bobby. Uh, yeah, Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. T- Telling a nice. Oh yeah, like, I guess he is. Yeah, like, you're that's right. where I know yeah. him from. Okay, all right, yeah. Uh, yeah. we have the secretary Moria Wolfman mm-hmm. who's played by Anne Magnuson mm-hmm. who she has a very interesting life she's basically known for being like an underground like band person like very much like kind of this like avant-garde person that transitioned into being traditional mm. a traditional actress right uh, but she has a very interesting history I'm not going to go all into it look it up but uh, she ends up playing the mom in Small Soldiers uh, yes yes that's where i could not place her yeah, i was like I where do i it. do it? i was like that's the one she's the yeah, mom in small she soldiers was very much like uh uh like a really underground like new york like person mm-hmm. can't go on because I mean, he doesn't have that big a role in the movie yeah but you're but you're happy about this but one but my boy dean jones mm-hmm. does have one of his few uh notable non-disney roles within this movie uh dean jones for those of you who don't know um is a one of the classic Disney actors of the late 60s, early 70s, 
Uh, he's a personal favorite of mine. I cosplayed as his character is this year at D23 Expo as Agent Z Kelso from That Darn Cat, also known for The Love Bug, Blackbeard's Ghost, Snowball Express, Shaggy DA. Um, very much like the man of the Disney 70s and... I remember the first time I watched this movie, I went apeshit mm-hmm. for like for him. I wouldn't have recognized him. Like um, I just, he like, has a, has... I mean, it's a very very small role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was I should mention too that um, Ann Archer does return as Kathy Ryan. She initially had a much bigger role with the Admiral Greer storyline because she works as a doctor in the same hospital where Admiral Greer is getting treated for cancer. Um, but they basically felt that too much was going on in this movie as is, mm-hmm. and they decided basically to cut her storyline off a little bit. But she said that at the end of the day, you know, Patriot Games was a very intense production because she's definitely like a, you know, in that movie, she's a target of terrorism. Right. And she spent some time in the hospital as well. So um, she wasn't too she was still getting paid decently well so she wasn't too too upset <laughs> don't feel bad about don't yeah. don't, I mean, don't still, cry too much it's for still her. 90s hollywood so she probably wasn't getting paid as much as she should have <laughs> to be quite true, honest but true. she was getting pelt weight pelt well enough where she was like you know she she still got the act and she enjoyed working with harrison ford right um but otherwise you know there was definitely different aspects of this movie you got to see a little bit of the behind the scenes stories yeah. uh, during this one definitely is that era of they're very pl- proud that they got to explode a lot of things yeah they they exploded an actual house yeah. the big famous story is that the they, story about that was pretty funny yeah, i the thought the famous story is that they basically bought someone's house or they they basically someone got divorced and they were going to rebuild the house with like some of the settlement money. And so they made an agreement with this gentleman. I forget it was the, I forget if it was the wife or the, it, it kind of made it seem like it was like, cause both, it was a mutual thing that I don't think either party right. wanted anything to do, do with, with the, the house. house. Yeah. So basically like, well, like the, the parties will keep the land, yeah. but you can blow up the house. So mm-hmm. they actually get to blow up a house for a big thing in the movie. Same thing with this car chase where at one point, like Harrison Ford's doing his own stunt driving as he's driving in reverse mm-hmm. as well. Uh, they did some really fun animatics yes. uh, for this movie as well. Yeah, um, that was fun. That was where fun to they see. got to kind of place like uh, just a picture of Harrison Ford in a car somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but otherwise, it was like it was a, a story of the crew getting back together, and we've had these two successful Jack Ryan movies. Very, very successful Hunt for Red October. Not as successful, but still very well regarded Patriot Games, mm-hmm. uh, and now they're basically all in on kind of creating again expanding the universe by putting in the john clark character clancy is you know because there was a clancy was also someone who's like you know after the fine time on hunt for red october had a, a little bit of a tough time with, with the patriot games and it was like i don't know if i want to do another one but of course he was like the money is there and and the notoriety is there and, right you know he's still like the name uh, because the thing about clancy too is Clancy has definitely become ubiquitous as, like, again, one of those names at the top of the book, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, and uh, to the fact where it's, like... Um, it probably headlines the book more than any yeah, title. Right, because, again, it's just like it's a series... He's mainly known for the Jack Ryan and then the um, uh, the uh, John Clark. I was going to say Willem Dafoe series, but the, the John Clark series as well. And eventually, by the end of his life, before he dies in 2013... Um, but by the end of his life, also starts writing about Jack Ryan's son and his adventures within the military community. And again, has this whole history where Jack Ryan becomes president twice and all this sort of stuff with, with that aspect of it. Um, but also, like, I mean, I, I know I knew Clancy initially from the video games because yeah. he does the Rainbow Six games. He develops that. Eventually, Ubisoft buys the rights to his name and, you know, he helps 
create Splinter Cell and all these other kind of military-based games. Uh, and still to this day, I mean, like by the end of his life, well, I mean, a game that just came out a couple years ago, The Division, uh, which was basically in development right as, well, initially in development right as Clancy died, but still has his name attached to it. Um, it is funny that such like a a name that is very recognizable, but has little, I, I would say, has almost no legacy with any of these films. Right, yeah. I know, which, I, is, I, it, which is interesting because it's the opposite of Fleming, even though... Fleming isn't the flashy name out there. I think that you say Ian Fleming, you're like, oh yeah, James Bond, James Bond books, yeah. the character and, in the movies. And I, I do think they put it more prompt. Like even um, the recent Craig movies, they still put like Ian Fleming within those. In, in those yeah, those titles. exactly. It's yeah, like, Ian Fleming's James Bond is still like a thing. Whereas, um, you know, more so in these movies, um, it's more so like it's the traditional based on the book by Tom Clancy. You know, mm. he just kind of gets that traditional credit. And I, and I do think like. There is also an aspect where, and yes, the Bond movies have evolved beyond, obviously, the Fleming name, but I also feel like there is a specific way, there is a lot of it that has to do with the fact that, you know, that Hunt for Red October kind of stands on its own, even beyond being a Clancy, you know, production as it were, that like... The Legacy, because that's a movie that also, I mean, people remember it for, again, it's McTiernan at the height of his career. It's a killer cast because you've got, you know, Connery, you've got Sam Neill, you've got uh, Scott Glenn in that movie. I mean, James Earl Jones, obviously, and and people like Alec Baldwin in that movie, too. So it's very much a, uh, oh, and of course, in that first movie, you also have um, Sam Neill. I was going to say Sam Neill, but I said that. No. The original Pennywise. What's Tim Curry? Tim Curry. I don't know why I forgot Tim Curry. Yeah, <laughs> Tim Curry is a very rem- memorable face. But, yeah, yeah. And even uh, uh, early career uh, Skarsgård mm-hmm. uh, is in that movie. Yeah, he is in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like plays well. But you, I think that Hunt for Red October has that kind of distinct legacy um, to it that evolved even beyond that original successful of you know Ronald Reagan enjoying the original book. Uh, and I think that kind of keeps that the Jack Ryan. It's also hard because none of these other movies, and you know, I mean, not to disrespect them, but there's nothing really flashy or stand no. out about them. Like, and the fact that you that it's not headlined by anything other than the actor, it's like, how are you not going to confuse Clear and Present Danger with any other yeah. like political thriller yeah, of the time? I mean, Whereas, I like, we, Hunt we, for Red October like at least. All- was like a summary. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? We like, do like all the movies, but I also think that it does kind of stand like, if there is one thing about the Jack Ryan films, it's like none of them, like McTiernan is the only one that really brings the style because it's, it's like it's team. It's, yes. Uh, you know, he's got, you know, his, his whole crew is there. But, like but it's the, also the, the people- most almost like fictional story of them because it involves like a rogue team of Russians in like a state of the art like submarine and they have to hunt it down. So there's, there's a slight of a little bit of like a, a a fiction to it. And I think it like, but it has like the most distinct look to it as well. Um, I just think a lot of about it is just more sexy, and mm-hmm. that, that that's why it kind of like stands out a little bit more. And I mean, I mean Jan DeBond's doing the cinematography too, which yeah. is like you know, and I think like like yes, I think we like the rest of them, especially Patriot Games and and Clear and Present Danger, which we're about to talk about. Um, but I also think that those movies are very much more regularly made, kind of '90s action, yeah, political yeah, they, thrillers, yeah. They, so 
it's like one of those things where there is kind of a less whereas like Bond, if we're gonna do a correct comparison, Bond immediately comes out with that style in those first like three movies. You know, like Terrence Young within, you know, Doctor Known from Wash with Love and then Guy Hamilton bringing up that humor in Goldfinger. I think you and and again, for again, we we always talk about for all the thoughts of Thunderball, there is like a bigness to that movie that I think hit at that time. Where I think there's like a, there's just a distinct style to those early Bond movies that I think makes you know, and you got the theme and you've got like the quips and stuff. Whereas like the Jack Ryan stuff, though it's a character we like and the movies we like, is a little more understated in some ways. So you don't really. Well, I like, mean, but that is interesting because like other than Hunt for Red October, all of the other Jack Ryan movies just look like the uniform look of the era that they were made in. Mm-hmm. Like these yeah. like the Harrison Ford ones look like those 80s early, like like really late 80s to early 90s. Like yeah. Like I mean cuz like really Patriot Games and uh Clear Present Danger you can put them right next to Air Force 1. And yes, they do. Yeah. They're it, it, all the same style. It's that earned practical look, but it's definitely just kind of like plainly shot, like a competently shot mm-hmm. practical look. And then when you get to some of all fears, it's more of that grungy, dirty, high contrast, like dirt everywhere, like it's yeah. that Michael Bay look almost. Mm-hmm. And then you get to this, and then you get to like Shadow Recruit, which is that bluish, like sleek, synthetic like look like everything like you know but because it's like dark it's got to be like a little bit of the darker bluish hues Mm -hmm. so it it is interesting that other than hump for red october that jack ryan and and that's why i think kind of leads into why they're not as you know highly regarded and memorable again just like you know we i really don't know like if you said like if you like if you had like a trivial pursuit game and the question was who are the four actors that have played jack ryan's in film people probably wouldn't know it's kind of like you would have your thing where it's like, oh, I think they may, they like, honestly, Chris Pine only because, like, it, it, maybe if you remember that there was a movie called Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Yeah. So, uh, there, so there is that. Yes. Yeah. So, well, let's get more into depth as we talk about this Jack Ryan as we uh, learn about a clear and present danger. And we learned about who broke the law. Oh. We're going to jail, pal. What is that? What do you think you have there? You broke the law. You are such a Boy Scout. Look at you. You see everything in black and white. No, no, no. Not black and white, Ritter. Right and wrong. You see? There you go again. Why was I kept out of it? You weren't kept out of it. You're neck deep in it. You went before Congress and you got the money for it. You went before Congress and you lied to I never Congress. lied to Congress. You lied to Congress. You said Congress. Advise. Well, give me you that told shit. them no troops. There are troops, Jack. I didn't know that. You know I didn't know that. No, I have no recollection of that. That's the term you have to learn. Who authorized this? I'm sure they'll ask you that. Who authorized this? I have no recollection. Senator. I did not sign up for this. This is somebody's bullshit political agenda. Who authorized this? Cutter. Cutter couldn't tie his shoes without permission. Uh, I chose, so, clear and present danger. Yeah, why are we watching this movie? Okay. Yeah. So, um, there was a couple reasons. Um, 
obviously like Hunt for Red October was a, would have been a good choice because it's a very much a awesome movie. It's like honestly, if you take one thing out of this, watch if you haven't seen Hunt for Red October, go watch it. It's one of those like movies I think you I could, it really is the Jack Ryan movie that it, which is kind of yeah. ironic that we're doing this one, but if you haven't seen one, it is the one you should watch first. And I I I think like that would have been a good option, but there was a couple things about that one. One is that Obviously, it also has the Sean Connery connection, but I felt like we've already done Sean Connery. You know, we didn't really do that again. And it's also more of an ensemble piece. Like, it does, you know, feature Jack Ryan as the lead character, but very much it is very much kind of split between about being about Jack Ryan and, and Sean Connery's Ramius. And I wanted to do a movie that little bit more focuses on Jack Ryan. And while Patriot Games is also a pretty decent film, definitely very watchable, definitely aspects of a lot that I really like. I felt that Clear and Present Danger was the better of the two mm-hmm. uh, Harrison Ford films, and it really was because I wanted to do a Harrison Ford movie for the podcast, considering mm-hmm. our, our long history of asking who is Harrison Ford. Uh, so I felt like we needed to do a movie where we actually know who Harrison Ford is. Um, but I'm very actually happy that I chose this one. I, I, I should say right off the bat that I think this was the right choice. I right. think this was the perfect, and I'll because, get into my reasons why, but I think this was the perfect because choice. Because not only is it, a, is it a fun movie to talk about, it's got some choice Harrison Ford moments, uh, some really classic he ones. He points at somebody. He does. He, 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 he angrily point. points at somebody. In our quote, he points at something, yes. right? Yeah, yes. like, yeah. Um, but I also feel that this is actually a really good movie to talk about, like, what makes Jack Ryan good. Because I feel like this movie has a lot of the little moments, mm-hmm. um, you know, like kind of the li- like. Definitely, it's of the movies. It's one of the ones where like the analyst part of the character, like I think Hunt for Red October in this movie, the analyst part of the character really shines through. Right, right. Uh, in terms of like kind of the, that smartness and and that analytical aspect of Jack Ryan, but it also has a lot of really small moments. Like Harrison Ford gets a little a lot of small character moments to really bring the character of Jack Ryan to life, and I think. Rewatching this after a year, it's been about a year since we first saw this, which is I, crazy to think about. Yeah, um, time flies fast yeah. in, in our modern society. Uh, but it's been about a year, and, and, and revisiting again, I do really, really like this movie. I yeah. think it's a it, it's the movie. it's the it's the second best one of all these. Oh yeah, movies. I think so. I think it's very clearly the um, second best. My my thing about the movie that I do think it was in many ways a perfect watch. Because in some ways, it's almost a really good opposite in how to Bond in some ways, yeah. but and not even just like an opposite of how you do a spy movie because it really isn't a spy movie. It almost like talks about how the political thriller is almost the in, in within its you know within its genes the opposite of the spy Bond action movie because. Yeah. Everything to the DNA of the film about how it's dealing because the only thing I could say that it would deal with is is that it has some it it deals with government politics and nations and things that that's kind of like so the DNA is it shares DNA in that regard but in terms of how it goes about it it's it's almost completely different whereas James Bond is all about like the fun action. Uh, and you know like bigger set pieces and a little bit more of the broad characters that are just as fun and we love them this one is a lot about kind of like all right well you know what about the normal guy but like still who's working within the ranks of like government and the military and and i and it shows that like you know these it i i just found it to be a very like interesting opposite, especially if since we're pairing it with James Bond in in this podcast. But 
so overall when watching it I, I was just very I was very much taken by it on on a second watch um uh getting just in involved in like the in the story and also like the type of movie it is too because it is one of those things where again there's all these conversations always about like you know the types of movies they do and don't make anymore but there is kind of interesting that when you do watch like your more modern movie that would have taken the place of like being a blockbuster like this is like it is interesting to look at the movie a lot of the movies we get now and them being very I don't want to say plot driven because this is you know it's a political thriller this is a very plot driven yes, movie yes but, you know, a lot of our movies, like, if you just take, like, you know, like, you know, our superhero movies and things like that, that it's very much, like, you know, MacGuffin-driven, that there's a thing that we have to do by the end of the movie. Yeah. And I don't I don't mean that in a reductive way. It could be, like, we need to stop Thanos, or it could be as small as, like, we need to steal, like, uh, the Pym Particles, and yes. like, Ant-Man or something. <laughs> like, or, so there's very... We need the... Fight Steppenwolf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, or or you know what I mean. Or yeah. it's like, or Wonder Woman. She needs to find Ares, the God of War. Like yeah. there, there's a clear endpoint where with this, where I found what's so interesting about this movie is that it's plot driven, but it's just about the casual machinations of it. Like it was interesting watching a movie that didn't necessarily you just saw it all play out in front of you yeah. as opposed to there being a destination to, yeah, to get to. I think to. it's one of those things where it is a movie when you look at it, there are, this is a movie that could easily feel like it's like restarting the plot a couple times because there are different aspects of like, well, it's this thing, but also it evolves into this thing. Yeah. You know, and like, oh, this is the new twist on like what we're trying to figure out. But at the end of the day, I think what makes Clear and Present Danger work is that the way that the movie progresses and especially as we follow like kind of Jack Ryan's journey through this movie mm -hmm. and kind of as he uncovers more of this kind of conspiracy, it all flows together very well. Like even though it's like, okay, it's initially like kind of this, oh wait, who killed, you know, this guy on this boat and then it becomes like, okay, well, you know, Jack Ryan's getting, you know, funky with the president and then they're all getting like buddy, buddy, but then Jack Ryan also figures out that something's not right here. And right, and all, right. Then they got all the stuff with the, with the the Colombians and the drug stuff. But I all feel like it just kind of weaves in and out so much, and you just have the consistency of following Jack Ryan as a character, and that kind of connects everything up, and that makes that movie flow well. Whereas I think like there is, again, a version of this movie where it kind of feels like it's more all over the place. And it kind of is, but you don't feel it because – you are just you get invested. Well, because it's interesting because there's no mystery. Yeah. Like you always are aware of what's going on. Yes. Which I think is a very brave choice for the movie. Yeah. Like in that way where and we've talked about this in Bond movies, like specifically with um uh Not Live and Let Die. Um uh, the the walk in one. Um, oh, uh, View to Kill. Yeah, View to Kill. Like, you know, that movie suffers from, all right, well, you know, your hero, you, the audience knows something about the villain that your hero doesn't know, and it makes some of the plot a little bit tedious. Whereas, yeah. like, you are constantly aware of, as an audience, like, who is what allegiance, what yeah. every character is doing. Yeah. And it's a pretty bold, and it's one of those things that up until kind of like really thinking about it, you don't really realize that the movie is playing that trick on you. Yeah. And I'll get into many of the ways that it, it gets you on its side, but the, the ultimate, another broad thing I wanted to say about the movie is, but all this said, the reason I think it does fit, in a very strange way, despite this being a, a very grounded political thriller, 
it fits in with the James Bond and even, you know, what I like about superhero movies today is that it's a very, you know, in, in the most positive sense, because I know this is a loaded comment for a lot of people. It's a very forward, like opt- forward-thinking, optimistic movie at the end of the day, and that it's like where it plants its flag, no pun intended, in terms of like you know things like patriotism and you know a guy doing the right thing is that ultimately that's where the movie goes, and it it, it ends in the movie. I I think the end of this movie owns yes, uh, like in oh, yeah. the fact that this movie spoilers really ends with. This guy is just going to do "quote unquote" the right thing, he's and that's be the journey the Boy of the Scout movie. In the yeah, best way. because in early in the movie, he's called the Boy Scout, right? And, and then like, I he's... just think that there's something awesome that the movie's final moment. It's not like, oh, he's the Boy Scout, and then he wins the day. No, the movie's final moment is like, despite all this, he's going to continue to be that guy. And it's one of the reasons, like, and you know, it's kind of like the reason I think it, it shares some of the DNA with Bond because it is some of that, you know you feel good by the end of it. Like it's a, it's a mm-hmm. political thriller that you don't feel drained by, no. you know what I mean? Yeah. Where I feel like a lot of even the Jack Ryan movies can fall victim to, yeah. I don't even think victim to It's just what it could be. Right. And then, but it, it does share DNA with, I think why I like the superhero films and especially like, you know, like the Captain America movies and things like that mm-hmm. is because by the end of the day, you just feel good that you're like, yeah, it's a hero. Like it's a hero. Like it's kind of uh, like an, some, somebody to look up to as silly as it, it may and, sound. And I, and I do think that a lot of that too has to do with the fact that you, you have someone as talented and as easily able to kind of get on the side on as Harrison Ford, which I think, really kind of makes this movie also stand out in a lot of ways is this because I think the thing about the Jack Ryan character which I've be, I've really come to appreciate is not I think the Jack Ryan character has two things that I really distinctly like there's a certain intelligence to the character and a constant way that he looks at things from a, another angle um, well, which is a consistent thing throughout the movies where he's like this analyst who's you know, not just going through the motions, but actually is kind of thinking through the issues. But I also think the other thing about it is that in general, and yes, there are movies, sometimes there are larger action things or larger kind of leaps of logic that you just have to make because it's a movie. But also Jack Ryan is always presented as like this, just this regular dude, just like a, a regular guy, just a kind of a nice guy who is the type of guy who just tells like an older woman at the office, hey, you're looking nice. Today. Like it's a quick little right. type of thing. Like he's that type of guy but it, it always feels like he's just kind of there's nothing superhuman. He's not that super Oh, and, and in that way it's almost the very opposite, opposite of Bond. Whereas like, you know, Bond and, and Mission Impossible have even in the first Mission Impossible movie have that kind of sense of like, well, you gotta do in the big action sequences where, you know But see, I I don't know about that because even in that first Mission Impossible, like even though he was capable, they kind of he wasn't like you know what, yeah. what do they call him by like the fifth one he's manifest destiny or yeah. something like that like he wasn't that guy yet right. but like bond is like you know but that there guy still some aspects of it I sure think, especially within that last like train sequence and stuff right 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 i think right. there's some more some more aspects of that alley and like it's it was, also a little bit more of a direct correlation between bond and the mission impossible like being like oh like you know guy traveling the world yeah. stunts action whereas like it like really that, is like because yeah. because jack ryan as a character, and it's actually really interesting that, you know, this is one of those things where it's kind of alluded to in the original, in the initial series, as it were, uh, and then kind of becomes more of a, of a point within Shadow Root. 
But Jack Ryan is a character whose history is that he was in the military, just mm-hmm. was a regular military guy, injured his back uh, in you know whatever war was recent enough that he could do that, and then becomes like an analyst and spends most of his time behind a desk. Somewhere. So this is this is an important factor because I think this is what led, especially myself, into us really re considering this franchise is because we just thought and based off the trailers that we've seen for the pine movie that this is just like white bread action guy yeah but it really isn't that and like really all the way up into shadow recruit and like this new series it really is mostly just a guy who is has some capability in action but is mostly like a guy that's going through the motions of uh, being an analyst and going through Really, the more thriller aspects right. of everything. And, and I was gonna like one of the things I was gonna say is I I probably will mention a couple moments from like other Jack Ryan films. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like this is the guy in for in Hunt for Red October who like doesn't like turbulence. Like like one of the defining aspects yes. of his character at the beginning of the movie is like stewardess tells him that he needs to go to sleep and he's just like I I just can't sleep. His turbulence like bothers me. Right. Like he's that type of guy where it's like he's not. Like an action. Oh well, well let, let's say and, and then, then and then he does he, he he like the in this movie the president says like well travel down to South America to get this done and he's like me yeah. <laughs> like, right and and there's that aspect of that character that just makes him feel human that yeah. makes him just feel like he's this guy who's just doing his job and is good at his job but as the end of the day but, but yeah then, and then also on the opposite of the Bond side too like we were talking about where Bond is like the smooth talking like guy who you know has some nebbish aspects of him. This is the Jack Ryan is the character who suggests something at a meeting about, oh, the president should say this. Like, you know, he shouldn't hide anything. Just say that they were friends. And then, like, in the press conference, the president says, like, he was a good friend of mine. And Jack Ryan's, like, at home just being like, I told him to say that. And he's, like, going to his family and the family don't don't really care. It's like, yeah, okay, dad. He's like, no, I told I told him to say that. Yeah, but, don't but worry about it. Like, yeah. I mean, the thing about <laughs> Jack Ryan, especially in this movie, is, like, there's some really fun stuff at the beginning when, you know, because – this is like Ryan is like, oh, he has to go to the White House to do this this the briefing. And there's there's a nervousness to Ryan where he's kind of speaking quietly, mm-hmm. like pausing and just like, oh, I'm supposed to talk right now. OK, like oh, this is what it is. And there's and Ford plays that beautifully where it's just like you can just feel like this is a guy who is kind of out of his element. It, here. There's no other way to say it than it's he's just a normal dude yeah. who's just decent at his job. Yes. And, and, and that's like. That's the biggest thing about it, I think. And then, and kind of getting back to like, that was one of the more, just as a general note about the movie, that was so refreshing that I actually think is missing from just movies in general. And not even just like of the time. It's just, this is just something I just wish more movies would just do across ever the board, across yeah. the board. Is there so many just little character moments? Yes. And little, like, that just flesh out and make everything feel real. Like, you know, like, Listen, you can make things like with practical effects or shoot things a certain way. That that's fine, whatever. Your mileage may vary on like how much you want that stuff. If you want something to feel like real and a world to be lived in to me, those moments like when he just says like, "Hey, like uh it's like, oh, you're looking nice today." Yeah. And they they play it as a joke, like, you know, it's it, not as like at anybody's expense, just yeah. kind of as a little I, moment I, of I, levity. A little light moment. Yeah, and it's just like and then you can see like that this like woman in the office is like, "Ooh, Jack Ryan said I was cute." And yeah. then that was it. And it was just so refreshing that this movie was littered with moments like that that it wasn't like it was planting something to be paid off yeah. later, and it was just like these little character moments of like interactions between two different characters or uh, little bits of dialogue or one character acting quirky for the sake of just. And what I felt like it, it really 
got that got me more invested mm-hmm. in the work because if this was just like straight you know political jargon yeah. it would have been fine it would have been serviceable yeah. but the fact that through all these little moments that that is what got me engaged in following these people yeah. in this movie yeah there's a lot of that moments where, where Ford gets to play off like his family and and his, just the little people that he meets along the way like there's just even some of the really small people that he's working with like the hacker like you know just the other kind of you know the the role you want to play, which is the guy who's like, yeah, I I always I want to play that role in the movie where you know the main character comes to like the the lab yeah. like guy, and then you know that scene where like the lab guy always turns around, he's like, what do you got for me? It's like it's just like I thought, finger fingerprints match your match your suspect, well, like, like, and not only that, dental records, yeah. but it's like, <laughs> and he's just way too stoked and happy that he has the results. And I think there's like that those elements where it's like there's a, even just like the little, the little moments of levity and the character moments where it's like the one they're trying to initially get into like the first like computer, the first password and stuff like that, and the guy's just like guessing all the passwords, and and Harrison Ford and is like is and I think it's Dan, yeah, Dan, Dan, Dan the like the secret one of the secretaries of like the defense or whatever it is, yeah. Um, they like look at each other like, oh, this is gonna take all day. I I will say, despite all the things, and I'm just gonna kind of weave in just all my thoughts oh, yeah, about the course, movie yeah. that that was. That was only one of the few shortcomings, I think, of the movie. I don't think the movie got me quite on board with Dan. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think that by the time he gets killed, I realize, like, oh, this is supposed to be, like, the big loss in the movie. And I'm like, well, wait well, a minute. Was yeah. Dan likable? Like, so it, it I, didn't I always work. I but I, 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 I'm halfway with you on this. Yeah. Whereas I, I, what I feel is, like, the Dan character itself, I think, is presented. It's just presented as, like, he's going to be expendable. Like, yeah. Like, he's just, like. He is just like another character, like he's like you know specifically like uh, I think he's an expert on Colombia or like a, a secretary that's a, that knows most about like South American affairs. But yeah. on the other hand, I do feel again one of the strengths of especially this era of Harrison Ford is that even if we don't get wholly on board with the Dan character, Ford sells it enough and and, and yes, and I agree. Sells that moment enough where even if you don't fully on board with the the character dying and you don't really care that much, Ford just kind of pulls you in and makes you care a little bit more than you think you should. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like, but again, that moment where they're like, they walk, walk from the hacker like, oh, is it going to take forever? And he, he immediately like right. figures it out is like really great. And there's like, like um, you know, Ford gets to do a little bit of improv if, if you've heard the, the, the documentary where mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing a computer duel, which is a great scene. I'll mention a little bit later. Oh yeah, the the, pro- the most hilarious comedy in the movie is is yeah. a computer duel. Yeah, um, uh, but it's basically. But there's there you're right in that there's a lot of, like even there's a moment where uh, there's again like um, the Kathy Ryan character doesn't get as big as moments in this movie as she does. She's a major role in Patriot Games, but there's that little moment where he's gonna leave for Columbia, and they just have a little banter where it's like, don't say it. Be careful, and he comes back in and just does a little like little kiss, right? Like, yeah, like that's but of but also another thing I want to say about like that whole like fleshing out the world and going back to I think it's a super bold move that they just play all their cards like it's a super transparent movie, but the trade off is is that they get you more invested, so you know they get you invested in the bad guys, and and I don't mean in a way that like you start empathizing like oh like now you're right. you're heroes. They just show you what they're doing. And now you kind of become like a voyeur of the entire rat race of, you know, What's government and political right. like you like basically you are see you 
The movie is presenting the entire. It's basically opening up the clock and showing you how all the gears work, and then you're you're seeing it all play out in front of you. And I think it's a big strength. Yeah. Of the so film. basically, the main conspiracy of the movie, or like the main kind of plot driver, driver, quote mm-hmm. unquote, is that at the beginning of the movie, like the Americans sees like a American boat that's been taken over for Colombians and find that this basically like millionaire billionaire. Oh, uh, by the way, love this. Love that there's no big reason for anything happening. It's just literally, and that was, oh, sorry, I know you're getting into a point, but this is like one of the, uh, before I forget, because I know I'm going to forget this point. One of the things I loved about this movie is like it not only got you so invested in and made it so real just with those human interactions, but there are so many times where things go wrong, not even wrong, just go awry by basic human error. Mm Mm-hmm. But and not in a big like flashy way. There's just like little things like there's some bigger things like the the whole reason this movie gets going is not because like you know oh like a drug lord is like has a big plan. It's literally because like there's this one guy who you know uh, a random American like a rich like a, a a known rich American yeah crosses a drug lord and the drug lord kills him. But that rich American was just a friend of the president, and the yeah. president, like you know, based off that, decides to crack down on it, right. and that's what gets the ball rolling. Right, so yeah. I love that it's just like so this they, kind they of like innocuous that, like, thing. The Colombians took over this American boat and killed the this friend of the president, this mm-hmm. rich friend. the The president basically, in in not so many words, authorizes a revenge mission mm-hmm. um, off the kind of off the books, yeah. quote unquote. So the Secretary of Defense, and as he would say, what he would, what he wants to like, what he what he wants to suggest, he can't suggest, or something yeah, along yes. those lines. Yeah, right. Uh, and he makes it clear that they present a clear and present danger, yeah. uh, as he says that in the movie. So the Secretary of Defense, as well as our asshole like CIA director, yeah. Character. Who, by the way, I know we said this at the top of the show is awesome. Oh, he's in, such in, in this movie. He's the perfect that fucking guy. We yeah. talked about that that trope we've talked about before on the show. He's that he's like he got the most punchable face, the smarmiest attitude. I think what also works about that character so well is that. Like it, there's in, these initial meetings where Ryan is presenting the initial findings of like oh like they 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 killed this guy and there might have been some some aspects of him being like a uh, um you know investing in these people uh, and this guy's the, the asshole's just like cracking jokes and everybody just glares at him so he's like he's very much clearly like I felt like everybody mostly felt like a real person yeah. in this I, I mean I feel like maybe some of the military characters feel a little bit like, like more like stock. Like the regular character. military, yeah, characters, but yeah. but for the most part, like with all the people in the government, like like because sometimes, and I get that the whole commentary is that the government is corrupt and like shady th- dealings go on, but I could buy that that character I- is part of that crowd, yeah. like because you know there would be those moments where he would make a joke and then everybody would glare at him and then he realized you could tell he's acting like he's like okay yeah I shouldn't have said that like yeah. so there there's those little bits but it's never like too over right. the top and so like it feels real where it's like we've, we all know that kind of asshole that cracks the joke and then like he'll do it again but like really kind of is you know everybody kind of tolerates him more than anything right else. yeah um, but he gets involved in this I mean to be fair he was good at his job like. And in many ways, like, because, again, there's no clear winner at the, the the movie decidedly ends with, you know, things being exposed. But it's not like, oh, the bad guy, like everybody gets their comeuppance at the right, end of the yeah. day. So, like, he like, you know, this character did his due diligence and yes. did his job well. But basically with the president kind of authorizing this crackdown on 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 drug trade, 
which is really code for him, like, get revenge on these guys for yeah. killing my friend. He's basically, like, authorizing a series of hit jobs, yeah. like, off Where, the books. Um, Bob Ritter and the Secretary of Defense characters conspire to hire Willem Dafoe's character, John Clark, uh, to basically have a mercenary team go out and basically do killings on these drug lords. Right. Uh, so, like, because Ford is the one, because there's this, you know, because, again, there's this, these little moments of, like, uh, like Ford as as uh, Jack Ryan is basically assigned this project of like find out why this guy was killed, and m- most people are you know it's always oh, just it was a kind of a random hit or whatever it is. It's like these people took over the boat. It's like, and then Ryan's like, no, well these are, these guys had plane tickets for you know Bolivia. Yeah, this this hit. this was like an organized hit. Like, this was the- like a hit because they were they were planning on leaving the country, like leaving the area. So there's a reason, and like go into his financial records, and they find out that. And Jack Ryan, we should mention, is part of this because he is taking the job from his buddy and uh, like um, I, I'm and sometimes Admiral, I, Gre- Admiral Greer, Admiral Greer, but I'm blanking on what like the role. Oh, like, like he's was. like a, like an FBI like director. Like, yeah, like like a basically like a a, a high off like. A high leader in the FBI, right? Yeah, it, basically because even our he's basically that, M, like yeah, he's, that that's essentially his role. But like, it is a role that like you know you can't just even our that uh, you know this our fucking guy of this like he's even like well like, we can't hide stuff from Jack Ryan. He's now like you he's know in, like the, in the inner circle, yeah. like so. And that was like also like a very interesting just element of this story is that we're dealing with not only the seasoned character but. I did think it was interesting how they're still putting a seasoned character into fresh waters. And then this fresh waters is like, cause he gets like all the responsibilities, but it, like, you know, having this role ultimately kind of bites him in the butt later right. on because it's just like, cause you know, at one point he says like, he, he basically testifies like, listen, despite all of this, we're not sending like, cause he doesn't know. Right. So he's so, like, we're like, not sending military. There's no military troops in there. And then later on the guy's like, ah, but you told them that there were no military troops. And he's like, I didn't know that. And like, you broke the law. Like, yeah. it's like, so um, like, I thought yeah, that was he, fun. Cause he like, cause, cause again, they're hiding this from Ryan and, and Ryan goes to Congress cause the president wants funding, you know, and the FBI wants funding to like crack down on this. And, you know, like the congressman, the congresswoman is just like, well, we don't want this to turn into another Vietnam. And, and like they kind of go back and forth on this. But it's like, you promised me no troops if this is just support for the government and everything like that. Right, right. And Ryan is, is being genuine, like you have my word. But again, underneath all that, at that same time, Willem Dafoe is, is training his military guys to find cheeseburger wrappers in, yeah. <laughs> in, in some field in California. Yeah. Um, so you kind of, you're right that, that nothing's really hidden and you kind of get. And I think what's also really interesting is that within that bad guys plot line, you also find that they do get their comeuppance just from, you know, that they get too deep within it, you know, yeah. and, and then that, again, like the kind of human errors and mistakes that happen. Well, it's just that. like, I just find it so fun and refreshing that the plot ultimately moves along because the bad guy got petty and just killed the wrong guy. Right. And then, and then there's also like the fact that they really would have gotten away with it, but the, you know, they, they, the when the the scene where the house blows up is like the scene of all these drug lords meeting because like there's kind of this these arguments about you know you know kind of like oh you're trying to kill me or I'm trying to, you know there's all this sort of stuff and basically like they that you know Ritter and our Secretary of Defense would have gotten clean away with it and killed all of them in this bombing had 
the main like guy that we've been following wasn't like late to the meeting. Right. Like, yeah. like literally it's like, Oh, like they, they literally like, Oh, we're running late. Like you got, they, they're kind of like a little bit of an, like a mm-hmm. little, little mini argument there. And all of a sudden they see the house blow up and then like, there's like more, like, okay, something's going on here. Yeah. And different aspects of, of that regard. Yeah. It's definitely, I think the movie benefits a lot from just showing all of this because, it, and it's almost like a good, representation in many ways of even though it's all fictionalized but it's a good representation of you know how a political thriller works within a world of nations and government and politics in a fictionalized sense yeah but it almost like invites you to like look at it and like look at all the different pieces moving yeah and um and i i think and then and, and by that it like just shows all the pitfalls of the world at large. And I also think from a character perspective, I think knowing what's going on also gives you that sense of watching how Jack Ryan comes to figure this all out and like the little bits and pieces that he gets to do. And I think it, again, it really presents Jack as kind of the smart character who always takes like a little bit of an alternate look at things. Cause another scene I always go back to in terms of like why I like the Jack Ryan character so much is the end of Patriot games, the home invasion. There's a moment in that movie where the lights go out. And Jack Ryan's immediately like, uh, like he immediately sees like, but the you know there's not like this tree didn't go down or like you know he can see the next house over has like the mm-hmm. the lights on so it's not like a big power outage like he's already thinking like okay something isn't right here and I think that there's an initial sense of his you see Ryan slowly investigating like all the little weird things that are going on and and kind of the suspicions that he has and and finding those suspicions come you know be things that oh yeah we should be suspicious of there's a satisfactory aspect of like, yeah, like almost like kind of in a regular, how in another movie you'd be like, oh yeah, the badass like action movie moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in this movie, it really is like the little moments where Jack Ryan gets to figure out the next step or figure out who's involved in this conspiracy or, right. or like, or sometimes it just involves him, you know, paying close attention and listening to a uh, recording on a answering machine. Oh yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause that's another suit. So there's this whole thing where there's like kind of a real, this is one of those movies where it's like you have like a villain, but he's not really like the villain villain. Right. Like where our main kind of adversary in this whole thing is this. In, um, so there's the Pablo Escobar type character, the the drug lord, and he has this basically intelligence officer. Not too far removed. Like he's literally called the Latin Jack Ryan. Right. But not yeah. too far removed from what Jack Ryan does or like the FBI. It's like he's like a guy within this drug lords organization that is providing information on other drug lords and the Americans and, and all that sort of stuff. And basically this guy is kind of conspiring. Like he's not really into, you know, the Pablo Escobar leadership. So maybe he's conspiring to take over and he has his own suspicions because he is also secretly having this affair with the secretary of Dan, Mm -hmm. um, the Myra Wolfman character. So basically he's getting all his information on the American aspect of things from this woman. Right. And so you kind of have that aspect of it, but also I think what ends up happening with that is that you kind of get this conspiracy where, you know, Dan is killed in this big, the one, the movie's real true big action sequence, which is there's Jack Ryan and Dan It's just call him Dan. He's like secretary Dan or whatever it is, but Dan. I mean, his name is Dan. His name is Dan. Yeah. yeah that was but they're sent down to do this negotiations with the Colombian government in regards to the money they're seizing from accounts and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and other aspects of, of the president's crackdown on drugs. Uh, and at this point, our Latin Jack Ryan character has figured out that, 
oh that that the Americans are trying to kill us and there's like they, they've instigated a war which is again what the Congress didn't want in the first place. So they stage like this, you know, exploding all the cars in this in this car bombing. So Dan dies, but you know Jack Ryan barely escapes um, out of it, and all this sort of kind of stuff happens. And when they get back, he's you know talking with his wife, and there's a whole kind of thing where it's like, oh, like Myra died, like the secretary dies. Well, he was like kind of a secretary, but not really. No, I'm talking about his secretary. Wait, I know Myra. Myra died. Like what's going on? Right. And immediately he's like, this isn't right. Like this is like very suspicious. So. They go to like the house, and I don't, this again kind of movie is littered with like little bits of classic Harrison Ford moments where he's like um, that that translate into Jack Ryan moments where you've got the detective, and then um, Kathy is like, "Well, I may have saw this, seen this guy, but I kind of saw him from a distance, so and it kind of seen the back of his head." And then the detective's looking like, "I do have a couple leads, but I got like a woman here who who may or may not have seen this guy, maybe saw the back of his head, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know what alien who. And then, like, all of a sudden, you just, like, in the background, there's, a, like, an answering machine playing, and Jack's like, wait a minute. Rewind that. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, to a certain degree, it's, like, everybody's fallible. Like, even, like, our, you know, our Latin Jack Ryan character, even, like, he gets undone because he left a brief message somewhere, and, yeah. you know, they have the technology to right. find out who and he I, is I based on that. I should mention, well, obviously, that the secretary, Myra, did not like he that our Latin Jack Ryan, um, he presented himself as like this factory. Oh, worker. she was being duped. Yeah, yeah, she she, she was, was being clearly duped. being duped and being used. So yeah. basically, like when he figures out that things are getting too close, he kills her off and kills Dan off and thinks he's closed the book. Right. But like, and he was always like, and it's one of the things like the one time he like you know let it go to machine. He's like like he he literally says like the machine's still on, so mm-hmm. like she shuts it off. But that little bit gets recorded, and, and Jack's like, you have a recording of the killer right there. Yeah. And then they eventually match it up and, and figure things out from that regard. So, yeah, it, and, and then the movie just keeps kind of, like, escalating because it really is in two major parts. It's all about all the the the, the political thriller aspect of basically the plot that yeah. you had just laid out about, you know, trying to, to you know— go through this whole kind of like these drug sting operations and then, you know, all the trouble that comes from that. And then ultimately what happens is that, you know, they do the job as satisfactory as they can, but, oh, but then our, you know, our villainous character finds out that like, you know, basically like, Hey, you know, Americans are operating on our soil and they're not necessarily supposed to. So here, let's make a deal. So he he basically like sends a, like our Latin Jack Ryan, because he's called that in the movie. I don't, I forget his real name, but it's Latin Jack. Ryan. I was calling him Latin Jack, right? Because it was just so weird that they had brought that up so right, many times. Right, because it very is like, like, because Myra, the secretary who's dating Latin Jack Ryan. Also, is, yeah, can we point out that was a very weird thing that she did where she points out specifically, oh, he kind of looks like Jack Ryan. Yeah, but this is like, but imagine like you go up to your friend and you basically. And, and she says this to Kathy Ryan. This yeah, is like the weird part about the, it. Like she's saying this to Jack Ryan's like wife. So yeah. like go up to your friend and be like and the guy that you've presented as like this is the guy that you're sleeping with. Yeah. And then you're like he kind of looks like your husband. And I'm just like wait, what? It's like, like kind of like she has like that own fantasy. Like, like what? That's a But eventually weird thing to that say. like he faxes our secretary of defense and basically like I know what you're doing. Come down here and meet me. And they eventually meet and the deal is is that the Latin Jack Ryan promises he'll take over the drug operations in Colombia, have the amount of drugs that are going into America in exchange for basically America, the Americans and, and their Secretary of Defense abandoning John Clark and his team, basically leaving him for dead. 
uh, and letting the Colombians do whatever they want with mm-hmm. it. And they basically make the deal. Uh, and so basically, because uh, John Clark has been leading this team and basically has had the satellite and has been leading this team in that regard, and then he all communications are cut off. Most of his team is killed. And right. Then, like, you know, a couple, couple of them in there. Uh, and eventually, like, you know, kind of the requisite, like, oh, like, Jack Ryan is to blame. If you kill him, we're, we're good to go. And then, right, and right. But we'll, early in the movie, because Greer referenced John Clark because they're going to also have a relationship in the books. And so he's like, if you're in South America, if you're in Colombia, look up John Clark and, you know, he'll help you out. And then eventually, like, Clark and uh, Ryan come to an understanding and, and work together to, to, you know, to win the day. You know, when you put it that way, it's like, it's one of these things where the movie does kind of have, it, it narrowly avoids that stop and restart nature because the way in which it keeps the plot going is interesting. Like, yeah. so it well, is, like I said, it's, it, like, it's, it's very it's, organic it's, and I it works. I think the Jan, Jack Ryan character specifically, and I would also go on to say, like, I think, like, the, the the again like the, the John Clark stuff is a little bit more like kind of stock like military like stuff going on, but I do think there's an interesting way that Defoe plays that character, mm-hmm. um, that you kind of get that sense of that history a little bit just just from the little bit we get of John Clark, where I could see them easily expanding the Defoe version into another movie or, or, you know, his own movie in that regard. There was a really neat little moment I thought in this movie where they're in the third act of the we're in the third act of the film and they're you know raiding the. Uh, the how the the drug lords like base of operations to rescue their guys, and there is a brief moment where Willem Dafoe has to kill like a guard, mm-hmm. and it's not a big heavy moment. It's just a little moment that Jack Ryan does kind of like sit back and watch as this guy like basically pulls the trigger on somebody, mm-hmm. and they don't make a huge moment out of it. And you know, obviously Jack Ryan does like you know you know attack and you know, like shoot at people, so it's not like he's above it. But it's just interesting because they, I did find that the movie even just for a second still took that moment to highlight that you know these guys are buddies, but this guy is like the James Bond like black ops assassin yeah. guy who's going around killing people, and Jack Ryan's not necessarily that guy like this whole him coming down to south america was like you know this is my last resort I, this is the right thing to do type deal so i i i thought that was a yeah that was a nice little really, moment jack ryan is a character throughout all of his movies and it's a little bit more extended in shadow recruit but even shadow recruit deals with this where jack ryan's not like a killer like he's not the type of guy who is gonna pick up the gun and shoot somebody right unless, like he really has to I mean, like, I think... Especially in, like, a covert spy scenario. Yeah, Yeah. situation. Like, I think, like, more so, like, in Patriot Games, it's more so, like, to defend the family or, like, he happens across this thing. Well, he is a military guy, so it's not like he's above it. Yeah, But it's, like, especially, like, when you look at stuff like, you know, Hunt for Red October in this movie, there is that aspect of that character when he's put in these situations that there is a little shell shock to Jack Ryan. Right. Where, like, oh, there is, like, this life and death scenario here. Um, I think it's enough they did it enough where it wasn't like they didn't make a statement like oh he's not a killer I just think it was a little again those little real moments moments, to show that like okay this isn't his everyday element like he's not an action hero by trade so a little moment like that's going to take him aback but whatever he's a a grown man he's an adult we talked about this for a while but I feel like we mentioned it earlier but we do I think we do have to like point out how good the computer duel scene. So is. okay, so there's a scene in this movie where he so hacks was, into yeah. the guy's computer. Right. So this is a movie that the scene was changed from the book. In the book, he just goes in the Ritter's safe because Ritter has a safe, 
And he just goes goes in and finds the paperwork. But they felt like that was kind of old-fashioned, not really exciting. And so they decided to do this computer duel. So within the movie, he that Ryan has started to have these suspicions of, of Ritter. of you know, And it's just like, there's something more going on here. Ritter and our secretary, they know something more is going on. So Ryan convinces our hacker character, like, hey, I need you to hack in. Like, And that's another really fun thing where it's like, He's like, yeah, I need you to hack something else. And the guy's like, well, who who do you want me to hack? And, he's, and Ryan's just basically like, like over there. Yeah. And you're like, Ritter, what? Like, there's like kind of mouthing. Right, him. right. So there's this whole thing where it's like, okay, well, we, we got to hack this Ritter. And, and like, and our hacker likes Jack Ryan enough where he does his favor for him. And so Ryan gets into Ritter's system and figures out, okay, there's this revenge mission. And, and it's reading about it. And it's kind of figuring out, okay, well, they're doing illegal things. And he gets a call from the hacker. It's like, Listen, I forgot to tell you this really important thing. You have to wait till he's. How's that not the one thing you tell him the, in the person? The hacker seems like a little bit of a doofus. Yeah, like he's yeah. a little bit, like he's a little bit too excited when he hacks into things. He's a little bit like too jacked. I think even when Jack Ryan said, I think he did that on purpose because even when Jack Ryan said it's too late, I think he kind of got off on like, oh, like the game is yeah. on now. But basically, like you have to like wait till he's logged into the system or else you'll see it. And then he, Ritter's he, in he's the. He's basically other- Sarazawa. Like yeah. he's like, let them fight. Except this time it's through a computer. Right. And and then Ritter is in the other room and he's on his system because he's already been told like, hey, we're abandoning this mission. It's over. Delete everything so nothing gets out. Right. So Ryan at this point is like, um, he's going through this thing and he's trying to like get all this information, but he's watching it get deleted because that's what Ritter's doing. So there's basically this kind of duel of the computers where Jack Ryan is calling Ritter on the phone. And being like, hey, you know, we, we got off to the wrong, like trying to distract him. Like, hey, we got off to the wrong foot. Do you play tennis? Which was a improvised Harrison Ford moment. Like, yeah, I play tennis. Like, yeah, let's play tennis together sometime. Eventually, Ritter does figure out that Jack Ryan. But there's so just- many layers to why this is such an awesome and funny scene other than I have a weird sense of humor. Yeah. Because you also have to realize. No, this like- is the thing. Is, it's super funny. It is also genuinely like a well-directed, well-put-together like yeah. scene of like. Essentially, like an action scene, but with it, two computers like deleting and trying. It, well, to- it's hard to kind of sell it in in full over over Mike, but like the mechanics of it are basically like imagine like you, you use Google Doc, right? Yeah. And in Google Doc, like if somebody else is like on the doc, they can edit, be, it. edit it, but it's like live in front of yes. you. So imagine like you're trying to read important documents while somebody's like trying to delete them yeah. and you're going through them as fast as you yeah. can. So that's what's going on. But also the context of the characters is like Jack Ryan and this guy have not really had a relationship through this movie. So as far as they're both concerned, like at least on the surface, they're just like coworkers who right. just like, like don't like, really want to talk to each they're other. They're really like they don't it's not like, like they've never really had much with each other, but they also there is an inherent dislike. Ritter dislikes kind of the natural, as he says, boy scout nature of Jack Ryan, the goody two shoes nature of Jack Ryan, and Jack Ryan does view this guy is kind of an asshole. Right. Uh, but the movie also, hasn't been it, like building that no, relationship. It really hasn't been. Yeah. It's like kind of like <laughs> it's a subtle thing throughout their scenes together. So right. it kind of comes to a head though. And it is kind of fun. The editing works really well where you're seeing like Jack Ryan trying to do this. And one of the funniest moments of this movie, absolute best moment. Mm-hmm. I think is, I know what you're going to say. Is when, so Jack Ryan finally figures out, okay, I got to get something here. So he's like print screen, like the old print screen button on your computer, and nothing's happening. Mm. He goes over to his printer, and there's no paper in the printer. Yeah, and yeah. it's immediately like again those little am- moments of human am- error. Amazing, or it's like oh shit. So he, he gets like one paper printed out, which specifically mentions like they hired John Clark to do this, 
And then comes where we get our, our quote from the movie, an absolute classic Harrison Ford, where the confrontation between the two characters. This is just so... There's so much fun to be had within the sequence in that it's classic. I should also... And we should also mention that they're in a desk that's like... Like their their desks their offices are right next to each yes, other. Yes, they're 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 neighboring. Offices. So it's just funny that there's this hacking like, battle yeah. like going on just literally right. a room away. Like, like it's hilarious. Literally, like Ryan finally gets the screen the the one piece of paper printed just as Ritter deletes the entire folder, and then he goes into the other room and they just have this kind of standoff. You broke the law. Again, but that that's what's funny. It like leads up to like they literally just march across a hallway to each other, or yeah. like a, a connecting office to we're, each other. We're, it's we're really like, funny. You know, Jack Ryan is like yelling. It's like, no, not black and white, right and wrong. Right, like classic, right. just classic Harrison Ford. And then Ritter's being the classic asshole, where he's like, "You're gonna have to learn the term." I don't recall that senator. I have a jail out of <laughs> get out of jail free card. Right, and like. And then Harrison Ford like pushes him against the wall, and it's like, "I'm going down. You're going down with me." Who ordered this? Mm. And basically insinuates that the president was like, "There's like the president." It's a great scene. It's 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 fun. It's 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 really good good. scene. And then, of course, um, well, we should get a little bit more into the ending of the movie. Well, so this is like kind of like a bigger thing that I think may be good to wrap up the movie on is just the general kind of like what the movie is about and the politics. Because in many ways, the final scene is like the whole point of the movie. Yeah. Um, the real quick I do, cause I don't want to end on a negative note. The, the one thing I will say about movies, if we're going to kind of get into politics, I do think the one thing that the movie does kind of really gloss over is Willem Dafoe and the, like the military guys, just like the movie does portray it as like, kind of like this drone warfare thing, like their actions, like while, you know, for the most part was like targeting, like, you know, drug operations eventually, they talk a- about like that these attacks had so much collateral damage and then like one of their attacks like actually killed like children and stuff and yeah. the movie never has them an- never has them answer yeah, yeah like and but and even worse it's kind of like Willem Dafoe and the and those military guys are Jack's buddies like that they have to like go like and I think there was a way that they could have done it where the right thing to do is still go get those guys but the fact that the movie kind of like in this weird way I think overlooks this important aspect that you kind of admitted that they have they are single-handedly responsible for you know a lot of this collateral damage and they don't have you answer I I thought that was like a very if I had to have one big negative I think for a movie that in my mind is so uh you know, ultimately optimistic and in pointing in the right direction and does a good job of like, you know, highlighting the political thriller aspects of the film in a very interesting way that I thought this was a really strange, almost borderline irresponsible oversight of the movie and is probably like my biggest weakness of the movie. Yeah, I, would say. And I also feel like this. I honestly feel like knowing having done a little bit extra research into the John Clark character, almost feel like that's something that would have been more explored mm-hmm. because that's it. I think that's a certain aspect of Clark's character where he has done all these kind of shady things and you know without remorse as a book and as a concept is very much about like that character coming to terms with some of that sure yeah so I think there's could have been a little bit more exploration of that yeah but I don't don't disagree yeah so but yeah so the biggest thing is that at the end I will say that I kind of liked the little bits I mean we mentioned a little bit earlier but I like 
the end of the movie where you can kind of see the little bits of relationship blooming with with uh, Clark and Ryan. No, I, I agree, I, and that's I, I do fine. Think, I do think that that kind of is leading up to something. But you're right in that like. There is real no yeah, but you're, like, you're accountability just, to those characters. You, by you just told me like these guys are pretty much responsible for some very right. questionable actions, and it's yeah. it's just like and like and that's where you could probably you know target some criticism on it because it's like well we're just supposed to kind of like say that they're the good guys because it's like well these guys were drug cartel people so yeah. like and we're the Americans <laughs> like that that was like kind of like where it, it started kind of getting a little bit questionable to me. But ultimately, it it ends with basically Jack Ryan is ultimately faced with a choice. They know everybody knows that Jack Ryan knows what happened. Yeah. Um. And it's one of those things where, while yes, he has his get out of jail free card, that even all like those, um, you know those, you know higher ups in the inner circle, uh, the the presidential inner circle, yeah. and uh, of the of uh, the. Uh, country's defense and everything is that and then we also have some characters who are kind of like having a little bit more of a moral conscious question about it like some of our characters are all in and some of our other characters are like "Ooh, this is kind of like getting a little bit out of hand and we're not sure if this is as ethical anymore um but it ultimately ends with he steps into the president's office because at this point and jack we should, ryan well, the knows. other thing about the, the movie overall is that there's a couple things we should mention before this is that one in the beginning of the movie again we kind of see this relationship of Jack Ryan and the president kind of bud a little bit where Jack Ryan gains confidence in the fact that he's now in direct discussions and influencing the president of the United States. And the president has kind of taken Jack under his wing a little bit and possibly like, you know, there's definitely like potential for, you know, even more promotion than. But meanwhile, his closest relationship with Admiral Greer, James Earl Jones character, who, by the way, this would have been a travesty if I did not mention this, who is essentially an M character yes. in this movie, like big Judy Dench vibes right, as yeah, M in this film. He's been a consi- you know, he's in Hunt for Red October. Like uh, James Earl Jones plays the same character in Hunt for Red October and Patriots Game, so has that same sort of M crossover between Bonds. There is kind of Greer crossover between. Um, between Jack Ryan's, but there's also always a there's a real friendly relationship. Oh yeah, and you buy them. it, you buy it completely. Um, and he's funny, actually, he's yeah. he's personable. Like I, James Earl Jones rules it, in this it, movie. It's really consistent between these movies. Um, where like I was rewatching a little bit of Hunt for Red October today, just because I kind of felt like it. And that their opening scene, the opening scene between James Earl Jones and, and Alec Baldwin in that movie is really like. Just you, you immediately feel like that these fo- these guys are good friends, and it, it really transitions into this movie when when Admiral Greer finds out he has patriot patriotic patriot pantry what is it what? pancreatic cancer pancreatic cancer there we yeah. go I was, I was I was emphasizing patriotic cancer yeah I was emphasizing the end a little bit too much um but he finds out basically he has this cancer and there's this kind of relationship you have a couple like I've seen or two where they're at the hospital together. Uh, and there's a, two really funny scenes where there's the one scene where uh, James Earl Jones is laughing at Jack Ryan for basically getting put in this trap to go right. to Columbia, where he's like, "Huh, you got caught in the bear trap," uh, and like you know now, and also in the earlier when he's like first in the hospital, that 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 Admiral Greer is basically like, "You're you're basically in the." the Washington big league now so watch your back Jack right like, well because like, his whole attitude about having cancer is like yeah shit happens like yeah. it's like he he's not like, like as he's, yeah yeah. And then also, like, they're going through magazines together. But, and- like, his big thing is that he gives Jack Ryan the big speech about, listen, like, 
you you swore an oath not to the president. And it, I under, this is gonna sound laughable because it's just like on the surface it it, it is very rote in some ways, yeah. just like the words of it. But he's like, you didn't like your oath wasn't to the president; it was to the people of like the the yeah. co- this country. So ultimately, it's like, listen, like you're getting it, you're getting chummy with the president. Like, are you like are this- you going to basically perpetuate like all the things that are wrong with it? Or are you going to follow the man that I know you are, and despite yeah. all odds, like do the rem- right thing, yeah, yeah, do the right thing. And then, and that's ultimately where the movie yeah. goes at the end. And they play the role with the like the president, who I think is a very almost I think probably in some ways the most underrated performance in the film. One hundred percent, I would agree. I was about to mention because it's such a thin line, like a fine line that they walk with making the president seem a little too much at times, like a little bit too kind of petty and broad. But at the same time, that's kind of the point that the movie is trying to make. But also at the same time, have you really not like this guy, but also not overdo it that like, uh, well, how is this guy like, like how, like like, there is the sense like this guy, they kind of present him as a little bit of an idiot sometimes. Like they a little bit of a moronic president, but you get that sense, especially when he's kind of smoothing Ryan at the beginning of the movie, of like this is like the guy who's you know can say the right things, probably has a little bit of a a, a history of, of making good decisions. He, he's your uncle. He's your grandfather. Yeah. Is almost right. the role that he's playing, right. and it's which just, is kind of like a statement on like you know the you know for, how we view the president yeah, exactly for better or for worse, yeah. and and in this case, it's like kind of like more so and, for and, worse. I, I, it, here's the thing about how the president is portrayed, which I think is a very distinctive portrayal of of an American president is that he's definitely like a politician who has had the right people around him for mm-hmm. most of his political career that he's hired the right people that he has the right advisors you know probably had the right like you know um campaign team when he was running for president where he's he seems competent enough but you you can kind of see the cracks like there there's the there's the moment where um they have the press conference where they announce the seizing of the of the rich guy's funds. And it's kind of like, you know, kind of a big moment because where like, you know, the, the Pablo Escobar character is kind of like, oh, that's my money. And like the like the kind of real kind of machinations of the plot come in. And I think what's really nice about that scene, it really defines what this president is in that at the beginning of that scene, he's very confidently saying it's like, oh, we're, we're, we're pushing this war on drugs and we've seized this money and we've split it between six nations. And so there's like there's that oh like that's like the president and he's like he's making these decisions and he's putting it out there and it's it's yeah and then as soon as he's asked the question like well how much is the United States getting he's like skirting around like well you know it's it's kind of hard to say right now we're still kind of working out the, the details right, right. so there's that kind of like yes like he is like the the leader he presents himself as a leader but you can always kind of see the cracks but he basically has had knowledge of the situation. Maybe not all the ways that 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 Ritter and the Secretary of Defense. Well, have but gone. That, that's the big thing is that. It ultimately is portraying it as the movie is showing you who really runs the show, but without making it seem too dastardly and conspiratorial. Yeah. Like, because clearly, like, the president calls some things, but the fact that, like, a lot of this gets start because he's like, ah, they killed my buddy. And they bring that up in the movie. He's like, they killed my buddy, so now I'm going to crack down on it. Or, like, things like, well, that's our money. Like, you know, we're America. That's our money. Just go get our money. Yeah. Like, just just do it. And like, like just, the, just get this done. When the Secretary of Defense is basically presenting, like, we need to make this go away. Right. And he's basically like, 
I'll leave it up to you. Yeah, because it's, it's like, and it's, I think it's your, it's your call. There were there were a couple fine choices. The the motivation, and not that it justifies the actions, but the fact that it, this ultimately got justified because they killed his buddy. And the other thing being is that he was he wasn't dumb to what was going on. He knew. Like, he knew about, like, the operations that he quote-unquote sanctioned. Like, so he's like, oh, I think we need to make this go away. He's like, make it go away. Like, so it wasn't like he was completely naive Mm -hmm. to the things going on. So I think, again, I I think it just from a storytelling and writing point of view, it was a very fine line that they towed really well, I felt, in the movie. But even at the beginning of the scene, there's kind of this thing where the power play, where the president's like, sit down, Jack, come on, sit down. And Jack refuses to sit down, takes it very seriously, and then... There's, there's again like the president's trying to play that that homely like relationship they had at the beginning, but Ryan's basically right out of the gates like you your decisions cause innocent people to die, and you, you're basically like you you did things that were illegal, you 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 approve things that were illegal, and I'm gonna take you down, and then like they're yelling at each other, and then the president immediately like drops that demeanor, drops mm-hmm. that like kind of. The demeanor that got him elected is like, you bark at me like I'm some junkyard dog. I'm yeah. the president of the United States. Right, right, right. And it's like, how dare you? How dare you, sir? And then, and eventually, though, he kind of plays, he turns from, he, I, what I like about this scene a lot from the president perspective, from a performance, is that he, he starts off with like, kind of, again, that, that campaign president thing, goes into basically totally exposing himself and like the anger and then immediately jumps into the politician side of thing, where it's like you're not gonna tell on me because here's what's gonna happen: they're gonna blame you. I will, get, you know, Ritter will get a slap on the wrist, Secretary of Defense will get a slap on the wrist. I'm the president, you know, so nothing's gonna happen to me. But you, Jack, you're the one who went up to them, so basically your your career is over. You're gonna be back on the lecture circuit, twenty thousand dollars a year, and then basically like, oh, and then you know they're gonna take down Admiral Greer too because you know he was in, really in charge when this all started. Mm-hmm. So his reputation's gonna be on the line here, and it's like, no, nah, Jack, here's what you're gonna do: you're gonna save it. When your ass is on the line someday, you're gonna pull this out of your pocket. I'm gonna let you have it. And then, again, very requisite Harrison Ford moment where he's like, the old Potomac two-step, Jack. And then Harrison Ford's just like, sorry, Mr. <laughs> president. I don't dance. I don't dance. And, like, walks out of the room. And the president realizes, like, oh, shit, he's actually going to do this. And then what's nice is that, again, the movie doesn't really tell you what happens after that. It basically, well, yeah, because that's not what the story is about. Right, the ba- story it basically is- shows that Jack Ryan is going before Congress, swears under oath that he will tell the truth. You know he's going to tell the truth, but what happens after that? So. I think it's a dope end to the movie. And I, and I think it's one of those things where, especially now, I don't think it would... I think a lot of people wouldn't kind of, like, you know, look at it with the same type of way that, like, I look at it now, especially just, like, given how politically charged, like, a lot of things are. In a modern context, I think there are different ways to read this, too. Yeah. I, well, I mean, like, the, the there is that one big problematic aspect with like you know like the military guys that i don't think the movie handles quite well so but other than that but but all that being said but i still advocate for the fact that i think that ultimately like you know the movie is allowed to i think showcase essentially you know this boy scout and the fact that like you know this guy is that ultimately the lesson at the end of the day is that it's a guy who's going to choose to do right, said, the like right thing world's not in black and white it's right yeah. and wrong yeah so and i and i think like overall to like wrap up on the movie i i really really enjoy watching this like i I generally do think this is a really fun watch and i think it's anchored by a really good harrison ford performance and a really good character of jack ryan like you feel that jack ryan 
we talked about like the people in this movie feel like real characters, and I feel like Harrison Ford especially, and I think I would not disagree that I think like I really, really, really like the Alvic Baldwin interpretation, but I, I do right, think that yeah. this is a really nice like right up there as well in terms of really bringing you into the character of Jack Ryan and what makes Jack Ryan a unique hero. Yeah, well said. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed rewatching it again. I it was very interesting to see some of the parallels um, about how this is kind of like a weird kind of like mirror universe version of like what we get in a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then so overall, yeah, definitely the second best of this of this series. A very solid political thriller. I think it like makes some bold choices, ends on a dope note, and. Um, um. Yeah, and then has a really hilarious uh, computer hacking scene. What yeah. more could you want? Yeah, I, I think a little bit. Like you know, third act I think is good. I think uh, you know it. I don't want to. I want to say. I think the third act doesn't completely shake that. All right, like we're ending the movie now. Like so yeah. just like the whole bit within the the big like. It's kind of one of those things. Like anytime it gets actiony, it, like it does feel like a little bit of like. All right, this is kind of our you know our obligatory action set piece and i don't think it weighs down the movie but it does it's a testament to the character of jack ryan and what about these movies get us invested that those moments kind of become a little bit more slight padding like but not nothing too bad there's also nothing too crazy happens in those exactly yeah i think that's what saves it is that it's not like now he's john mcclain jumping off planes right or it's like that that car bombing scene for example it's like he's basically the the biggest thing he does is he drives in reverse right yeah people can do uh so just to wrap up quickly about kind of some aftermath stuff i mean uh Clear and Present Danger was also a success, well-reviewed, um, you know, kind of in that upper echelon of you know, generally people liked it. Ended up making uh, $122 million at the box office, uh, or sorry, in the U.S., $122 in the U.S., $94 million on foreign soil for a total of 216 worldwide. So pretty successful film mm-hmm. overall. Um, there were intentions of doing a third Harrison Ford uh, Jack Ryan movie. Mm. Uh, originally, it was going to be Cardinal of the Kremlin, um, which would have uh, brought back not uh, it would have brought back uh, both Harrison Ford and Willem Dafoe in their roles, and also had a rumored part for William Shatner somewhere. In oh, there, that's which would have been fun. Um, but the Cardinal of the Kremlin was deal was deemed too hard to adapt um, because it was. So I would say that. Um, Famously, for Hunt Red October, they added a little text prologue uh, that the movie takes place in 1984 because the Cold War basically ended and they felt like, oh, like the Cold War was just ending when they were making the movie. Right. So Cardinal of the Kremlin is also something that takes place within the Cold War and they felt it was too hard to adapt it to the Harrison Ford style where it's, you know, the retired kind of, you know, the older Jack Ryan character. So Cardinal of the Kremlin got swept under the rug as it kind of languished in development, and eventually they decided that the sum of all fears would be the next movie. So by 1999, in interviews, Harrison Ford said, we're developing some of all fears, and me and Philip Noyce are working on the story, and we hope we can get it soon. But Harrison Ford and Philip Noyce both move on uh, because they just couldn't get the story right, and and, uh, Harrison Ford had just wanted to do other things. So eventually they decided to do the reboot of the series. Uh, So... Uh, they they eventually released the sum of all fears with Ben Affleck and Morgan Freeman with Leif Schreiber in the role of uh, John Clark. That movie releases in 2002 and has a little bit of a rougher time at the box office, mostly because of that movie deals with a major bombing on American soil, and people felt that 
this probably wasn't the thing Americans wanted to see just a couple months after 9-11 happened. So right. yeah. did not do Fair well. Enough. So that was going to be a start of a new Jack Ryan series that did not happen. Eventually gets rebooted again with, with, uh, with the Chris Pine one, which was supposed to be a start of a cinematic universe where mm. Kevin Costner yeah. would have. Mm-hmm. So Kevin Costner would have been the connecting factor. And Michael B. Jordan was uh, scheduled to play John Clark mm. in a without remorse uh, adaptation that would have connected to two films through Kevin Costner and eventually would have crossed over. But again, uh, Shadow Recruit, which is a fully original story, and that movie is directed by Kenneth Branagh as well as he plays the villain in that movie, um, does not do too well at the box office. And eventually, um, the Without Remorse, because of that, that Michael B. Jordan adaptation of Without Remorse does not get off the ground even though it's still kind of been in and out of rumors and they might end up doing it for the Amazon series. But that then turns into Carlton Hust pitches a Amazon series uh, to Amazon based on the Jack Ryan novels would also feature original stories. And that's where we are with the Jack Ryan series at this time. I still need to watch the series. I mean, I'll be honest, like I've actually heard some people like it, but it's like one of those things where everything I see about it seems like not what appeals to me about Jack, about Ryan. Jack Ryan. I feel like if I, if I feel like what will happen is like, I, I feel like, there will be aspects of that kind of smart analyst, kind of regular guy character that pop in, but I also do feel it'll get a little bit more action-based, mm, yeah. um, more so than the film series have been. Because even Shadow Recruit, which we've mentioned, it does kind of more delve into the origins of Jack Ryan, Yeah. Uh, whereas all the other ones are basically like Jack Ryan's already been like the analyst for a little bit, whereas like... That one kind of gets into it. It also opens with he was in the military, so his mil and he's younger, so him being capable, you buy well, it a little bit well, more. But it also it shows off his injury. Yeah, and it, it's also again like it does still present him, even though there's a little more action in that movie. I mean, it's to still- be fa- let, let's be fair, it does end with him like in the third act picking up like a random motorcycle and driving it around city. So not over the top, but it is yeah. kind of like, but, well, it's two thousands. Well, we got to put it in like, action. It's like later two thousands, but I will say they still present that character as like not being comfortable killing. Even yes, though he does exactly. A little, he does a little yeah. more. Killing. That's what I think is the same ingredient yeah, in that it, movie. Um, definitely. That, that he, he still kills a little bit more in that movie, but yeah, but, yeah. uh, so yeah, but that's where we are with the Jack Ryan franchise. Yeah, and I honestly like I don't know I don't know man. I suggest it. I mean, I suggest I honestly this movie and Hunt for Red October, um, specifically these two. But like you know, I, I these would be the two I would vouch for the most. Yes. and then the ones that you can watch and like I, I'm not gonna hate you if you don't like some of all fears yeah. or like you know I'm Even not the, I'm like, not saying these are the greatest the films, but it's in Baltimore. Oh, God, that that deserves its whole podcast i would do one on some of all fears because some of all fears is like it's surprisingly maybe something but um but yeah so that that kind of brings us into and uh, kind of like not like in a way nothing you know bond inspired or connected but definitely share some cultural similarities in dna with it and it I does think, and I think that was what made this a, a fun, something fun to dive into. And you picked, I think, the best movie out of the franchise to to discuss, di- to, to discuss it within this context. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that I think that wraps us up for uh, for Jack Ryan. Good, good choice. Good pick, Nick. Yeah. Good pick, all Nick. Right. So where do we go next time on our Bond adjacent? On uh, Bond adjacent, do 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 we know? Do you yeah. do you know? Well, yeah. tell us. Tell the audience. Uh, it's gonna be December. It's close to Christmas. We're gonna get a little Christmas treat. Um, we are going to talk about another franchise that has been very near and dear to our hearts. 
which is the Mission Impossible franchise. Yes. We're going to get into the Mission Impossible. And I, I, just, I thought a lot about where I wanted to go with this. And my feeling is that I want to talk about the modern version of the Mission Impossible franchise because I do feel that there is actually a lot of similarities to how those Bond movies were made in the past. I feel like Mission Impossible has kind of taken over that kind of wheelhouse. So mm. I do want to kind of explore that version. And why not just have the Christmas treat, have a little bit of fun time with the most recent entry mm. to the Mission Impossible franchise. We're going to take a look at 2018's Mission Impossible Fallout fun. to end the year. Fun stuff. All right. Well, that sounds good. Well, but uh, next time is not a Bond episode. It's a Godzilla episode. Uh, and the next time we talk about a movie, it will be, uh, once again, a very recent movie in the 2014 legendary film Godzilla. Yes. Um, so stay tuned for that. All right. Well, until then, I'm done. You're done. We're done. Plug away, my friend. All right, we got twitter.com slash bonzilla007, facebook.com slash bonzilla007. You can email us at bonzillapod at gmail.com. Listen, subscribe, iTunes, and soundcloud.com slash bonzilla007. All right, guys. Well, until next time, I'm Will. I'm Nick. And, and don't, I, don't break the law. I don't dance. <laughs>